0: First, with Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now. 13 12
1: Okay, good morning and welcome to the program. Great to have you company. It is Marcus Paul back for 2021 on this Monday, January 11. Give us a call, let us know what's on your mind. There's plenty to get our teeth into this morning. Plenty's been happening. Um, coronavirus continues, COVID-19, 2021 style, unfortunately. Uh, The latest on the US President Donald Trump, he's on his way out. He could very well be impeached in the coming weeks. Uh, Why? Well, I don't know. What do you make of everything that's happened in the last week or so? Please give us a call. Let me know what's on your mind in relation to that. Do we really care? Well, I suppose we should. I suppose we should. They are one of our closest allies. and. You know, whatever happens in America does have some impact on us here in Australia, certainly politically. So we can talk about that. We can talk about the COVID-19 vaccine. It would appear that young women will be the target of an advertising campaign. Young women between the ages of 30 and 39 are most likely to be concerned about the safety of the vaccine. So the government's gonna tell them it's okay to take. Will you be taking it when it's available? And when will it be available? Plenty to talk about. Are we racist? Well, that's something we can talk about as well. Apparently, um, the Indians aren't happy. That's the Indian tourists uh, from the cricket team. Uh, Look, they have said that Sydney spectators are nasty and racist. And some claim they've been putting up with it for... Uh, Well, a number of years. That's Indian players. I don't know. I really don't. I haven't been to the cricket. I haven't really been into it at all uh, since it's gone the way of, uh, well, pay television. I know it's on seven for the tests, but other than that, I've kind of lost a bit of interest when Cricket Australia sold out to the media and decided that, you know, they put... Most of the go, well, a lot of the games on free to wear, I kind of lost interest. But anyway, on pay television, that is. Well, India are adamant that their young bowling star, Mohammed Siraj, was again racially vilified at the Sydney Cricket Ground yesterday, a ground that they say is notorious. Despite crowd claims, it was more banter than hardcore abuse. I read a lot about this yesterday. I listened to some audio from interviews and All the rest of it, six men who were asked to leave the ground yesterday, basically, according to witnesses nearby, did absolutely nothing wrong, apart from just a bit of friendly banter. Something that you'd hear at, well, a sporting game each and every week here in Australia, whether it's a rugby league game down at the local park or an NRL game or or whatever. And there are those, like me, who think that maybe the Indians... (laughs) are using it as a bit of a distraction as they start to struggle in the test series. I mean, by all accounts, none of us tolerate or accept racial vilification or abuse. It's not on, we know that. But has that been really going on at this international level? And particularly at the hallowed Sydney cricket ground. If you were there, if you know anything about this, give us a call. 131269, the telephone number. Plenty to talk about this morning as we get our teeth into things. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine is the telephone number if you would like to have you say. If you want to send an email to the program, MP in the morning at two sm that'll get a an email directly here to the studio to me. MP in the morning at two sm You can comment on our social media sites, Facebook hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. We're also on Twitter. Unlike Donald Trump want to comment on that as well? Look, from the outset, I, dis- I don't agree with it, this social media control of anybody. I mean, what happened to free speech? I don't really follow much of Donald Trump, nor would I want to, can't stand the bloke. Thank God he's on his way out. But, but, I do have concerns with the social media giants shutting down free speech, and that's what I think it is. That's what I think it is, and they shouldn't be allowed to do it. They will, and they can, because why? Well, Mark Zuckerberg and those that control other social media giants like Twitter, well, it's a business. They own it. It's not controlled by government funding or anything like that, so they can run their business how they like, but, gee, I tell you what, they're going to cop a lot of criticism for it. What do you make of it? Uh, the censoring of the outgoing U.S. President Donald Trump. I agreed with Twitter shutting him down while there is a transition of power from Donald Trump to Joe Biden, the incoming president of the United States. Certainly something needed to be done to quell uh, the protests that we saw and those horrific, despicable scenes of people storming the Capitol building in Washington. I agreed with Twitter shutting down the real Donald Trump's account during this heightened period. And I also agreed that Facebook and others should have done the same thing. However, they're talking about a permanent ban for Donald Trump. Now, I don't know whether that's the right way to go. I really don't. Masks. If you want to talk about masks, I'm getting used to wearing one out and about. I've been to shopping centres uh, and whatnot during my break. and um, I What I'm finding, though, is with the disposable masks, I can only wear it probably one or two days. You're only supposed to wear them once. But, you know, if... you When they say you're only supposed to wear them once, what does that mean? If you're going ducking into a shopping centre for half an hour, that's it, then you've got to throw it out. Anyway, what do you make of it? The the whole idea of us having to wear masks in Greater Sydney while you're out shopping, all the rest of it, give me a call, how are you coping with all of that? I find uh, they get a little fluffy in my mouth. You know, because you're breathing it in and out. What do you make of it? Please give me a call 13 12 69. Are you used to it? Are you sick to death of them? Do you think we should not be wearing masks? Should we be demasked? What about the lockdowns? We've had Brisbane, Melbourne, effectively in some areas, locked out of people from New South Wales again. I know I'm not the only one, but You know, regular listeners to me will know that I've been trying to get up to my dear old dad in Queensland for the last year now. Every single time I make an effort to go and see dad up there on the Gold Coast, I'm told that, well, you can go, but you'll be in quarantine afterwards. Boy, oh boy. Anyway, uh, give me a call. How did you get on? Did you see family and friends over the Christmas, New Year period? what did you make of the muted celebrations on New Year's Eve in Sydney? Uh, I live in an area that's close to the harbour, but I mean, it was pretty quiet where I was, apart from midnight when the oh, whole house shook it for seven odd minutes with the fireworks display. And in the main, it would appear that most of Sydney did the right thing and stayed away. Only seven arrests made over the New Year's Eve period, which police would find very pleasing. All right, uh, plenty to talk about. We'll get into the latest news. That's what this program's all about, all the news and your views. We'll play a bit of music as well. Uh, An exclusive interview a little later on too on the program with the federal opposition leader, Anthony Albanese. Now on Friday, Albo was on his way home driving his Toyota Camry, in Marrickville, I mean, how Australian is that? Cruising streets of Marrickville on his way home to his pad and he was T-boned by another car, by a 17-year-old driver and both ending up in hospital, including the federal opposition leader, Anthony Albanese. Uh, Now, by all accounts, Albo is well. We spoke to his people over the weekend and we're lucky enough to get him on the program this morning. Now, obviously, I'll ask him about how he's recovering from the shock of this accident. I mean, if you saw the damage to the car, I mean, both men, the young fellow involved in the accident with Albo and Anthony himself, both very, very lucky that no one was seriously injured. Anyway, Anthony Albanese on the program a little later. We're going to try and catch up as well uh, with the Northern Beaches Council In particular, the Mayor, Candy Bingham. Now, we've spoken to Candy before about the issue of the, uh, well, a number of issues, but most recently about the ferries, the freshwater ferries that are on their way out. But I want to find out uh, from the Deputy Northern Beaches Mayor, Candy Bingham, how things have gone now that the lockdown is over for the Northern Beaches. Uh, Are they getting back to normal? How are local businesses going? Have they survived? Are some still struggling? No doubt they are. So we'll try and catch up with Candy on the program a little later this morning. Uh, Regulars back for 2021 on a Monday. We'll catch up with Christina. I think Christina is not in the capital because of lockdown. She's here in in Sydney. So we'll catch up with Christina a little later in the morning. Uh, Also socially speaking with Nikki Faye. All the latest trends on social media and what you could be doing if you're a small business owner uh, to get your social media campaigns underway for 2021. So there's plenty to talk about. We'd love to chat with you this morning, 13 12 69, the telephone number. By the way, the program also has its own text number now. So if you're think uh, thinking it's a little easier to text rather than call or email, the text number 0458... 049209. 0458 049209. And we'll keep repeating that, and you'll hear more and more of it as the days and the weeks progress. But the text number is open for this program as well. Marcus Paul in the morning, 0458 049209. <laughs> All right, so give us a call thirteen twelve sixty nine the telephone number. Emmanuel, good morning. How are you?
2: Ah, uh,
3: good, thanks. How are you?
1: All right, thank you, Emmanuel. What's no, on your mind? Points.
3: Yeah, yeah, three three quick points. Um, so the lockdown apparently is all unnecessary if you look at uh, a report by Stanford Uni four years ago. Ah, uh, sorry, four months ago. Okay, that's the first one. Second one is. In England, they did a, a um, cadaver examination by pathologists of uh, COVID uh, patients, and they found that 95% of them had pre-existing conditions. They had lung conditions, liver conditions, heart conditions. Does yeah. that make sense? Okay. And the third one is this, that you need to know. You need to know. Again, in England, look this up. They claim this, and this is researchers, scientists, obviously, that... Um, The transmission of COVID is not technically by aerosol, which is what we breathe in and out, but by physical touching of surfaces.
1: All right. Well, I don't know much about aerosols. I know a fair bit about you No one. Graham, good morning. How are you? Um, oh God, very good, thank you. And uh, you and yourself? All right, thank you, Graham. What's on your mind, mate? Um, look, I
4: uh, I've been following um, Craig Kelly, an MP, on Facebook. Oh, and he Craig
1: up, Kelly, please.
4: Yeah, well, he puts up a lot of posts,
1: mm. um,
4: and uh, you know, read some of the reports. And I've looked in at some of the uh, reports that come on from uh, professors and doctors and so on, and then find that uh, you try and get back into them and they've been suppressed by Facebook as if they're being removed uh, because they talk about ivermectin and HCQ. Um, Well, so they should be,
1: hang on, so they should be removed because Craig Kelly, the last time I checked, wasn't a health or medical expert.
4: Okay, all right. Um, All I'm worried about or concerned about there is the fact that Uh, there doesn't seem to be the real freedom of information that comes through, whether it's correct or whether it's incorrect.
1: Well, the problem is, I think, Graham, uh, when you're dealing with people's health, the information you're receiving should be coming from medical experts, including doctors. And last time I I checked, Craig Kelly wasn't a doctor. Uh, And he's so interested in promoting uh, perhaps his ideals or his thought patterns about this virus And it's not coming from a medical viewpoint. And that's a danger, I think, for people.
4: Yes, yes. So you think that's fair enough for for that information to be suppressed?
1: Well, when you say suppressed, what do you mean? I mean, obviously, the information is still out there, but it's up to Facebook and it's up to Twitter and all of these other organisations to monitor what people are putting on their platforms. After all, it's their platforms, is it not? Yeah, yep, yeah, I can understand that. You can still Google ivermectin. You can still Google all of these other, uh, well, uh, supposed uh, fixes or uh, remedies, or let's just call it what it is, conspiracies in relation to dealing with the pandemic. Um, I personally follow the health advice that's provided by the government. Okay, we've elected them. Uh, There are people that have spent many years studying viruses, working, towards keeping people as safe as possible, and I I feel I need to be as responsible as I possibly can as a broadcaster to bring you the information that's provided by health authorities. And again, as I say, the last time I checked, Craig Kelly was not a, a medical expert. In fact, I think he's a bit of a crackpot. And the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, should actually pull this bloke into line. I mean, he's had a crack at a whole range of things in the last couple of days, including almost supporting those people who were uh, storming the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Uh, The Prime Minister needs to pull this bloke into line, in my opinion. Give me a call, 13 12 69. I'd love to get to uh, hear your thoughts this morning on this issue, please. Marcus Paul in the morning. Good morning to you. Great to have you company on this Monday, January 11th. as we're back for 2021. Oh, not that bloody lefty again. They they've put him back on the radio. Uh, well, look, I'm sorry. I just don't buy into a lot of the conspiracy theories that I've been hearing. That's me. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Uh, look, uh, again, as I was very, very careful in discussing before we went on break last year, uh, when it comes to broadcasting, I prefer to err on the side of caution. I will relay to you uh, the latest information provided by health authorities around our country. Sure, you can have a viewpoint about other, perhaps, ways of dealing with the pandemic, and that's fine. You're welcome to air them here, but you're gonna be challenged on them, certainly by me, because I don't agree that we should be, to be honest, paying too much attention to other ideas when it comes to dealing with the pandemic, other than that is being uh, provided for us by our health authorities. I'm not talking about the politicians. I'm talking about the chief health medical officers. And I was at great pains before we went on our leave uh, to defend Dr. Kerry Chat and others around the country who've been working extremely hard extremely hard at trying to navigate our way through this pandemic and i think it is fair to say and i challenge anybody to disagree that on a global scale here in australia we've dealt with it almost better than anybody 13 12 69 the telephone number look uh, if you want to send uh, a text you can do that as well this year 0458 049209 A couple coming through Uh, This one is from Townsville, good morning to you Joseph G'day Marcus, great to have you back for 2021, usually wake up at 4am to hear you in Townsville on the app, All right. Thank you mate, appreciate that and some emails coming through if you want to send me one directly here to the studio, mp in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com John John my old sparring partner from 2020, 2020, it's 2021 now, but John says, G'day Marcus, great to hear you. MP in the morning is back. Uh, that's John who is, where are you from, John? Doesn't say, but Mark from mclay Island, uh, also a, uh, a regular from last year. Welcome back, you bastard. <laughs> Hope you had a good break, mate. Now entertain me, he demands. Well, I'll try, we'll try our best. We, we brought you some sunshine though, particularly here in Sydney. Gorgeous morning this morning in Sydney, just beautiful. Looking at that sunshine bouncing off the harbour, it's just amazing. Thanks, Mother Nature, by the way, for ensuring that the best day of my break was yesterday, the day before I had to come back to work. Wonderful. It's been a lot of rain. I'm not complaining, mind you. El Niña. But uh, look, the rain has been great. And in particular, some of the photographs we've been receiving on social media. Uh, Yearly comparisons this time last year, a number of areas west of the Great Dividing Range. I mean, it was still bone dry, grey. And now it's just a sea of green, which is beautiful. Wonderful. Uh, Sue, good morning to you, Sue Ford. G'day, Marcus. Happy New Year to you and Justin. Hope you had a, a great break, the both of you. Uh, glad you're back on the airways with your with your news and views. All right, well, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Give me a call thirteen twelve sixty nine. <laughs> We've got to call into the deputy mayor of the Northern Beaches, Candy Bingham. Uh, hopefully, Candy will get back to us soon so we can have a chat about what's happening just north of the Spit and uh, I guess east of Monabale Road, I actually had to go there for a medical appointment. Last week, the place was like a ghost town when I went into Warringah Mall, but it was good to see plenty of people who were doing the right thing, those that were out doing some shopping and getting their essential items. Pretty much everywhere I go, people are masking up. Uh, But some people aren't happy about it. Security footage has emerged of a man flying into a rage after being asked to comply with COVID-19 regulations and sign in at a Sydney fast food restaurant. Look, I know it's a pain almost everywhere you go now. They're asking you to scan your phone or give them your details. I know it's a little time-consuming, but we need to ensure that contact tracing can occur if there's further outbreaks. So that's why they need to do it. Uh, and bear in mind as well, for business owners, you think it's a pain for you walking into a business and having to sign yourself in? Imagine what it's like for these poor business owners. I mean, they're having to put staff on to do different things and that, you know, a number of staff have had their daily routines turned upside down. They're now becoming, if you like, COVID compliance officers almost. And what I'm, I'm not in, uh, at all happy about seeing is some of the abuse that's being labelled at staff members, whether they're in fast food restaurants or otherwise, when they ask you to please put your mask on or they ask you to please sign in and all the rest of it. Anyway, police have asked for public assistance to help track down this bloke who abused staff at a McDonald's in Kellyville after he was asked to sign in using a QR code. Security footage shows this bloke pushing a cash register to the ground. He he really had a big old dummy spit, this bloke, and I have to tell you, his behaviour was a little dangerous. And I feel for the young lady who was serving this bloke. He yelled and abused her and other staff members after refusing to sign in as required under COVID rules. Now, the incident took place shortly before 8 o'clock on Saturday night. The man wearing a white polo shirt and black shorts became agitated and started yelling at staff before lashing out and pushing a cash register off the store counter onto the ground. It narrowly missed hitting one female staff member. The man picked up his phone and left the store. Police want to have a good old chat to him. Look, I know it's a pain in the you-know-what, it really is, but uh, this kind of is not on because... These young staff, you know, and we're always at uh, young people, you know, you need to get to work and all the rest of it. So these young staff people, uh, uh, staff members at McDonald's, at Kellyville, don't deserve that kind of behaviour directed toward them. It's not their fault. They're simply doing their job. Anyway, if you want to have your say on that 13-12-69, that video is going viral. I've seen it this morning on, uh, on morning television. Uh, we might put a link up to it, Justin, on our social media site. Hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. Give us a call. Let me know what's on your mind. All the news and your views. 131269, the telephone number, and your texts zero four five eight zero four nine two zero nine. Breakfast with Marcus Paul.
0: What an
5: absolute load of pig
1: manure. Call Marcus now, 13 12 69. Yep, I'd love to hear from you, 13 12 69. And emails MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. Weeks of
6: whipping his followers into a frothing frenzy. <laughs>
1: looting, rioting and smearing
6: number two throughout their nation's capital. Unleash the Kraken! Let's go! So yesterday, to prevent any more violence, Twitter permanently banned President Trump from their platform. He gone.
7: Don't talk to me that way.
6: Sources say Don went ballistic at losing the megaphone to his almost 89 million followers. Next came frantic attempts to tweet using the POTUS account. He then apparently had a crack at using a workmate's account. On your gas. And then he tried the Team Trump account. Yeah, Twitter shut them all down. Some tech experts are surprised that the social media companies have actually gone this far. And within minutes, a familiar John Barron joined Twitter coincidence? Probably. Although John Barron is an alias used by Trump in the 80s. Aussie US expert John Barron is also named John Barron.
8: Donald Trump has so stigmatised the name John Barron, I'm thinking of changing it to something less controversial like Jeffrey Epstein. It's remarkable isn't it that Donald Trump no longer has the ability to fire off a tweet, but he can still fire off a nuclear weapon.
6: It's not just Twitter who is dumping Donald. Other social platforms to limit his reach are Snapchat, Twitch, Shopify, Pinterest, Reddit, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Some people would say it's too little too late. Considering how long Trump has gotten away with saying a lot of stuff on social media that other people would be banned for, and they're only acting now that people have actually been hurt. Right wing dipshit echo chamber app Parler has been touted as Trump's new home. But while recent downloads were up, Google and today Apple have removed the app altogether.
8: You can't blame these tech companies for thinking it's time to pull the plug.
6: In his last Yelp via the POTUS account, Trump claimed he was building his own social media platform. Please just be his rad TikTok dancers.
8: Well, Donald Trump had an airline and Donald Trump had stakes, and Donald Trump had a university and he had casinos and they all went broke. Maybe he's going to start up Trump Twitter and it'll probably go broke as well. Yep,
1: yeah, I love it. Uh, what do you make of it? I'll give us a call, 13-12-69. Uh, I agreed with the difference. Uh, platforms shutting down the real Donald Trump while Things were chaotic in the Capitol, but as for a long term shutdown of Donald Trump, well, I agree, I, I disagree with that. Um, the other issue, of course, that the outgoing President of the United States has is, well, the possibility that he will be impeached. Uh, 67% of people interviewed in an ABC poll believe that Donald Trump was responsible for. Well, they say the riots. I don't really think... Were they riots in the Capitol? It was certainly a disturbance. 56% of Americans want Donald Trump out now, and 67% of them blame him for riots. So if more than 56% of Americans want Trump gone, well, then maybe Trump should just go early. Will he be, uh, well, impeached? If he is... He can kiss away his $200,000 a year pension for life. He'll also lose the million dollars that he'll be normally, ordinarily entitled to in in travel allowance each year. And as well, he will lose his secret service uh, security for the rest of his life. That's if he is impeached. Just looking at some of the vision that's up on our television screens now, well, I guess they are riots, uh, you know, with tear gas being fired inside what's supposed to be one of the most secure buildings in the United States. I mean, that's another issue itself. How on earth did these people get so close to legislators in the US? We know, unfortunately, one woman lost her life, shot by security officers. But, I mean, so many more could have. So many more people could have lost their lives in uh, the chaos in the Capitol building in Washington last week. (music) Uh, A bit of news here for our listeners in the north of New South Wales. A woman has died after getting trapped under a log in fast-flowing water while kayaking. This happened in the Northern Rivers. Emergency services were called to upper Tulum Creek in the Tulum National Park after reports a kayaker had capsized at around uh, 10 minutes after 12 in the afternoon on Saturday. Police have been told the 68-year-old was kayaking with friends downstream when her kayak hit a log and fell into fast-flowing water before getting snagged on another log. Despite efforts to rescue her, she died at the scene. It's awful. Really awful story. Meanwhile, a man has been taken to hospital with a significant injury after falling around four metres from a cliff while rock climbing on Sunday. Yesterday, the 37-year-old man was injured just before 11 o'clock near Bridgeview Crescent at Forestville on Sydney's northern beaches. New South Wales Ambulance Inspector Mark Hayes said emergency services were able to remove the man from a pretty difficult bush location after the fall man was suffering from a significant arm injury when they reached him. He was taken to Royal North Shore Hospital in a stable condition. Give me a call, 131269 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say. Look, boaters are being urged to remain safe when out on the water this summer, hundreds more people have recently taken to our waterways, as there are 682 additional holders of general boating licences across the state. New South Wales Maritime Executive Director Mark Hutchings says there are many safety rules boaters need to adhere to. Well, yes. So please, as we always say around this time of the year, take it nice and easy if you're out on our waters. Wake up in the morning. Ladies and gentlemen. Good morning to everybody. Breakfast
0: with Marcus Paul. And breakfast. Ready for- Australia's only contemporary news talk radio program. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: Okay, welcome back to the program. 13 12 69, our telephone number, and the text line is open for you this year 0458 049 209. The Queensland Government will announce its decision on the Greater Brisbane lockdown today. Now we know that residents of Brisbane. Redland, Logan, Ipswich and Morton Bay have been under lockdown since six o'clock on Friday. That's Friday night. Now, they are supposed to be released from the lockdown at six o'clock tonight, but they may not be. It could be extended. Queensland contact tracing has been worked extensively to ensure the UK variant of this COVID-19, this new strain, is not circulating throughout the Brisbane community. The Sunshine State recorded no new locally acquired COVID-19 cases yesterday. Meanwhile, here in Sydney, in New South Wales, Mount Druitt Hospital's emergency ward is closed today after a positive COVID-19 case. So that is a concern. We'll keep you updated on that. Meanwhile, Cricket Australia has launched an investigation into the alleged racial abuse at the Sydney Test. I don't know about this. Uh, I read a stack of information yesterday in relation to these six men, uh, these spectators who were kicked out of the SCG yesterday. Apparently, they did nothing. I mean, the whole incident stopped play for almost 10 minutes uh, with the rookie bowler, Mohamed Siraj, saying... It was the second straight day that he'd been racially abused by attendees, but witnesses say there was no racial abuse. There was more, you know, more a bit of banter and calling out to the bloke. Anyway, I see Ashwin also from the Indian side says that the venue in Sydney, the beloved hallowed SCG, has a history of nasty behaviour from spectators which he says he's experienced across four tours to Australia. In other words, for the past decade, he reckons he's put up with racial vilification and abuse from spectators. Look, Australia coach Justin Langers expressed his disappointment at the incidents and extended an apology to the Indian team. And I agree with that. If there is any alleged racial vilification or abuse of professional cricket players from spectators, it's not on, and these spectators should be booted out of the ground and dealt with accordingly. That's not what we're about here in Australia. However, if it's just, you know, a bit of banter and some catcalling and booing and carrying on, well, isn't that all a part of professional sport? I mean, apparently all these spectators said yesterday was, welcome to Sydney. Um, they were, I mean, they were sledging the bloke, but that's what happens. Does it not? Anyway, uh, if you were there or maybe you'd like to have an opinion on it, please give us a call. 131269 is the telephone number if you'd like to have your say. We're
0: bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: The usual spin and marketing spiel we get from ScoMo and his mob, and nobody wants to take any responsibility at all for the RoboDebt scandal, do they?
9: Well, ScoMo should be called Promo with the way that uh, he
0: acts. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: All right, them's fighting words from the Federal Opposition Leader, Anthony Albanese, who I am very happy to say joins us on the program. Happy 2021. Good morning to you, Albo. Uh,
9: Good morning. I'm uh, very, very pleased to be here.
1: How are you feeling? First and foremost, a nasty incident uh, that saw apparently a T-boning of your car in Marrickville on Friday. Was that right?
9: Well, no, it was a it was a head-on uh, hey. collision with a, uh, a a Range Rover on, on the wrong side of the road, um, and uh, I was i uh, just very very lucky uh, to uh, to survive the the, the accident. That my car um, is uh, an absolute write-off, uh, and I uh, received. Uh, Great care um, from, uh, firstly, uh, the first responder on this occasion was a, a nurse who lived across the road who came and provided uh, comfort and, and initial care. Um, and then uh, I just received uh, magnificent support from uh, the, uh, the, the police, of course, arrived very quickly uh, and then... Uh, the paramedics were were just terrific. They uh, they gave me uh, medication uh, yeah. on the spot before we left. They uh, they got me out of the car um, and I, I travelled by ambulance to uh, Royal Prince Alfred Hospital where I spent uh, twenty four hours uh, until Saturday. And I, I just uh, a huge shout out to. Our doctors, our nurses, our, our radiographers, orderlies, the cleaners—of course, have yeah. a particular difficult job because of COVID nineteen. The COVID marshals on on site, um, and I, I received uh, great care. And the the, the good thing about uh, our our system yep. of uh, Medicare based public health is that. The last time I was in uh, emergency at uh, Royal Prince Alfred Hospital was with my mum, who was a single mum and a a pensioner. And uh, whether you're Kerry Packer, who of course uh, ended up at at Prince Alfred Hospital when he was, I think at the time he was Australia's richest man. Uh, Whether you're that or the alternative prime minister or a pensioner, you get the same level of just terrific care, and uh, I just uh, I thank those that looked after me over that period.
1: Well, we're glad that you're okay. Uh, look, we know there's an investigation into this, so I don't want to uh, talk too much about it. But I saw uh, photographs and some vision of the of your car. The old Camry's uh, looking a little worse for wear, and uh, huh. the young fella involved. I believe he was a 17 year old. He's okay as well. Uh, I mean, he a- is, and accidents. he's been. Um, yeah.
9: He's been issued with a uh, a negligent driving um,
1: uh, charge, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. uh, and right. that
9: uh, that uh, is. Uh, I I I hope that uh, he uh, learns from uh, the experience, and I'm sure he will, and really commits himself to to become Australia's safest driver.
1: Well, absolutely. Uh, in the
9: future, it was a uh, it was a very scary incident for for me. I thought it was the last thing I w- would see. Uh, really, to be Frank, it was uh, mm. it was to see a a very large vehicle um, right in front of you, uh, just just there, headed for you. Is uh, something that. It will take me a little while to get over, obviously, Mm. the the shock of an incident like that. Um, But uh, I'm certain that it will take this young man uh, time to get over as well and is uh, is something that uh, was uh, just a a horrific incident and just very, very fortunate uh, that uh, it didn't involve... uh, a fatality, which would have obviously ended my life, but changed his life as well.
1: All right, well, I'm glad you're okay, Albo, and uh, there's, it's a big year ahead. Uh, do you think that the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, might go to the polls this year?
9: Look, he might. Uh, if he does, it will be because uh, he thinks that things are going to get far worse. Um, we only have uh, three-year terms in Australia. And there really isn't any excuse for going uh, for less than, than three years. I think three years is too short. I think uh, I'm a supporter, as is the Labor Party, and we've tried a couple of times to get four-year terms. That's what occurs in, in most states, uh, including Queensland and New South Wales. Yes. Uh, and and Victoria, that, that makes sense. Uh, most countries in the world have either four- or five-year terms. Uh, three years is very short to go. Two and a half will be, I think, if it occurs, Scott Morrison putting his hand up and saying uh, we've uh, we've got bad news just around the corner. Uh, so the election is due uh, in 2022, but we'll be ready for any time from August 2021 from okay. this year.
1: So essentially, uh, Labour are putting themselves on an election footing, if you like, because it could be called this year. I mean, I guess that's why you're up in the ante, and uh, with a number of, uh, well, very pointed social media comments made about the Prime Minister and made about certain senior members, including uh, Craig Kelly. Scott Morrison's refused to condemn Craig Kelly, who's been spreading conspiracies about coronavirus vaccines and and now, of course, the storming of Congress last week. Uh, you say the silence from Scott Morrison is unacceptable, I agree. Uh, should any member of Australian Parliament defend the attempted insurrection against democracy that we saw in the United States, Anthony?
9: Well, we know where Ms. Trues lead. We've seen it in the United States. Uh, this idea that you can say whatever you want, that there aren't any facts, that we're in a post-truth world is extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous. And uh, the fact that uh, we saw last week an attempted insurrection against democracy, uh, which was encouraged, of course, uh, by Donald Trump, is quite frankly shocking. Uh, The United States is our most important ally. It's a relationship that's based upon our shared democratic values. Yes. And the fact that uh, we saw uh, thousands of people uh, marching on the Capitol building, uh, ransacking uh, the uh, House of Representatives and the Senate uh, was just quite incredible. Um, These were armed people. Uh, The five people lost their lives. uh, But it could have been... Uh, much, much worse. There could have been uh, literally a, 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 a just a catastrophic consequences. And I, um, I, I, I just think the fact that when Scott Morrison is asked about this, he responds by talking about freedom of speech and hasn't condemned Craig Kelly or George Christensen or any of the others who have promoted the idea, that, the conspiracy theories, that these weren't Donald Trump supporters, that they were infiltrated by outsiders and as part of some conspiracy. Uh, if, I hear Antifa, yeah, if
1: I hear the word Antifa one more time, I'll throw up. It doesn't matter who they are. They were they well, certainly lawbreakers. And uh, look, the idea of social media shutting down the president of the United States or the outgoing president. Uh, what do you make of that? Is that, a, a, is that an attack on freedom of speech, Anthony, do you think, or is, was that uh, fair no, enough? No,
9: that's, that's about time. It's about time that uh, people weren't given a platform uh, to spread uh, hatred, uh, to spread lies, which has had consequences. Uh, for people Uh, it's one of the the problems, I gave a speech as one of my vision statements uh, way back in December 2019 about the rise of social media about its contribution towards polarisation of the political debate of undermining civil discourse in this country and uh, around the world now we can have disagreements and the parliament is the way in which a civil society uh, is able to debate out uh, those disagreements but it's got to be based upon fact or else there isn't a basis for discussion and therefore the potential for a resolution in our common interests and and that's why uh, this is this phenomenon that we've seen Uh, particularly played out in the United States, but it's also here. Uh, We know the consequences, for example, of saying that COVID-19 is a conspiracy, that it's not real, that it's just like the flu. Uh, Some 300,000 deaths in the United States is the consequences in in Brazil, where there you have a a right-wing... Uh, demagogue leader, uh, who's also uh, contracted COVID after saying that yes. uh, there was there was nothing to see here. Mm. Uh, we recall um, tragically the the uh, the Prime Minister of of Britain, Boris Johnson, saying he was there shaking hands with uh, people who'd contracted COVID nineteen, and then he, not surprisingly, then contracted uh, this virus, uh, it's dangerous. It's a threat uh, to our health, to our economy, to our society, which needs to be taken seriously. Now, here in Australia, political leaders from across the spectrum have listened to the science, listened to the health experts and taken it seriously. But throughout it all, you've had Craig Kelly uh, promoting these conspiracy theories and... Um, you have organisations like uh, QAnon, uh, which spreads all sorts of rubbish. anti-Semitic, yep. um, racist rubbish uh, that is actually dangerous. And it's got to be called out. I, I can't understand how someone like uh, Craig Kelly can be allowed to promote uh, these uh, these theories, along with George Christensen uh, and uh, and others, and remain a part of mainstream uh, society. I mean, uh, the, these people, Craig, Craig Kelly, chairs an important body uh, related well, this, to yeah. legal issues yep. in in the National Parliament. Well,
1: they're senior ministers uh, and they're senior members of the of the. The Morrison government, and you're right, Albo, uh, there's no place, you know, I think, uh, for them to be able to espouse uh, that... Look, I'm all for freedom of speech as well, but it needs to be tempered, as you say, with fact and certainly with a little bit of understanding into you know, how people react to these kinds of uh, announcements or these kinds of statements made by made by very senior politicians. Just before I let you go job seeker, job keeper, Labor ideas. Uh, a lot of people seem to lose sight of the fact that you and, and Labor and other members within your party were the ones who actually uh, navigated, if you like, and, and came up with these ideas to try and steer our economy through uh, the COVID-induced recession. So, of course, the Morrison government picked up on that, which is great, Now, you've been calling for weeks now for the vaccine rollout to begin as soon as possible after it's approved. Now, for weeks, the Prime Minister has basically turned around and called you dangerous. Uh, But yes, we know the other day he brought forward the vaccine rollout to early March and today it's, well, in fact, the other day it's been brought forward now to February. Uh, I mean, what do we make of all of this? When are we going to get this vaccine?
9: Well, we'll get it sooner as a result of uh, the agitation and as a result of the government finally conceding that uh, this was just common sense. If the TGA, uh, our independent body, approves a vaccine, then that means it's ready to, ready to go. Uh, but what we have uh, from uh, this government is that uh, Scott Morrison... Uh, Called this dangerous Like he called the idea of wage subsidies dangerous Then he did it anyway Um, uh, Dangerous seems to be Scott Morrison's way of saying Someone else has had a good idea His first response is hyperbole And then it's followed by delayed action And uh, what we actually need Is to be able to have A a, a sensible discussion No one in Labour Uh, was calling for any curtailing of the Therapeutic Goods Administration processes. That's how we decide pharmaceuticals and and drugs and their availability in this country. What we did say, though, was that once it's approved, if you have confidence in that process, then it should be rolled out immediately. And as a result, it went from being late March to mid to early March to now mid-February. that's a good thing that that's occurred, uh, but I don't understand what the logic ever was of saying we're going to approve a vaccine and have it uh, have it rolled out months later. Yeah. I, I, no, I noticed that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu in in Israel received his second jab uh, on TV uh, over the weekend. Uh, Joe Biden, who will be President of the United States on January 20? Yes. Uh, has already received right. the jab. Yep. Uh, the government indeed have raised the prospect of uh, a few of us getting uh, the jab publicly. Will you so get it's to Will you confidence
1: well, in it? Just on that, will you get it, Anthony, when of, it's available? Of course,
9: of course I will.
1: And will you and, ask uh, the Prime Minister to do the same?
9: Australians will. Well, he has said that he will, okay, and, and cool. that's a good thing. And uh, I think the idea is that, that we'll get it publicly as well so yeah. as to show that, that confidence from across the spectrum. All right. And uh, we need, quite clearly, there are health consequences to this virus, but there's also mental health consequences behind uh, the, the lockdown and restrictions that are there that are more difficult for for many people than And for for others, there are economic consequences. We've had job losses. We've had a recession. Um, So we know that uh, these issues need to be dealt with.
1: All right, Anthony, great to talk to you. I'm glad you're feeling a little better and uh, you've come through after that nasty accident on Friday. Look forward to our chats throughout 2021 in what could be a, uh, well, an election year. And uh, good luck yeah thanks
9: very much, Marcus. and right. thanks to uh, the listeners and to all those who who sent uh, sent well wishes. I, I've got to say from across the spectrum as well. Yes, um, my parliamentary colleagues across the board, I had uh, some very nice messages and and people checking in. Um, I have to go back to the hospital today for some uh, further uh, examinations, uh, but uh, in terms of serious consequences, I'm uh, I'm very glad Fighting to be fits. able to talk with you. All right, um, mate. I, I, I'm not quite at that point yet. I've got to say, it's, uh, <laughs> look after yourself. A bit of a toll, but but yeah. I'll get
1: there. We'll chat soon. Thank you.
9: Thanks, Marcus.
1: Federal Opposition Leader Anthony Albanese. An exclusive this morning on Marcus Paul in the morning. Right on seven thirty news time now. <laughs>
0: Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au.
1: Okay, welcome back. 13 12 69, my telephone number. Steve is in Sydney. Hello, Steve. Hey, Marcus, how are you, mate? All right, thank you, mate. What's on your mind?
10: Uh, just your interview with uh, Anthony Albanese. You didn't ask him any uh, what he thought of the WHO being denied to go into China to find the origins of this virus, which is, Devastating
1: the world. Yeah, look, I've spoken to Albo about this before. Uh, look, I I wanted to canvas a couple of other issues today. Uh, I I mean, it was on for nearly half an hour as it was. But um, look,
10: the World Health Organization. Mate, made is that more important? You know, but,
1: even like you. Well, said, I you don't know. Is it, for- Hang <laughs> on, hang on. When you say is that more important, the World Health Organization? What? Can Anthony Albanese do about what the World Health Organization does? Probably not much.
10: What can he do about U.S. politics, either? But he wants to comment on that.
1: Well, no, he's commenting on uh, the fact that a couple of senior ministers within the Australian governments are having their say, and so it's—I think it's fair enough that we hear from the opposition on this. Don't okay.
10: You? Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Uh, look, also, the World Health uh, Order, I don't uh,
1: want to, I'm not arguing with you, Stephen, I agree, no, 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 I agree just, mate, with just, your point, but I, I yeah, can't, okay. uh, yep. I can't ask Anthony Al, and this is what happens sometimes whenever I, I chat to Albo, and look, you know that I don't speak to the Prime Minister or the Premier of New South Wales because they're LNP and they carry on as if this radio network doesn't exist. Well, certainly this programme oh, yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah.
10: Well, but, I'm not the, one of those people that email in and bag you, about it. I'd rather ring and talk to you So... Yeah, and look, also, yeah. mate, if you if you if you're a person for freedom of speech, then Anthony Albanese denied that to a person by he said that Donald Trump should have been gone ages ago. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you if you think freedom of speech is
11: important, then why didn't you say that back to him?
1: What did you want me to say to Alba?
11: Well, you did, you didn't disagree with him.
1: Well, no, I'm on the record as saying that I believe Donald Trump uh, is a few. Uh, well, certainly, if you can, short of a, a six-pack, I'm sorry, I, I don't know, I, I, don't, I didn't like the bloke. I don't like the bloke, and uh, that's where I sit on it. Uh, but Anthony's entitled to his opinion, as I am, and as obviously you are, Steve, and you're a Trump supporter, obviously, and that's fine. Absolutely, that's fine. Uh, I got an email here from Mark, Marcus, what about the poor bloke from Kingswood in Sydney that's suing the government because he had his $3.6 million worth of furniture stolen from his quote-unquote housing commission house while he was locked up in a Chinese jail and by the looks of it, he's on the Australian disability pension. Yeah, I saw that in the, uh, the newspaper yesterday. Uh, now, Mark wants to know, when are we going to do an investigation into how many millionaires are living in public housing or on the Australian paid benefit system? Well, it's a very valid point, isn't it? A very valid point. I couldn't believe that I was reading that story yesterday. You're right, Mark. All right, speaking of millionaires, or is he a billionaire? I'm not quite sure these days. Clive Palmer insists that his party won't contest the Western Australian state election. Maybe he's run out of money. He says the United Australian Party won't field any candidates for the vote in March, and he will withdraw a defamation case against Premier Mark McGowan. He's all bluff and bluster. this bloke. Clive Palmer carries on like he wants to sue each and every person who, you know, maybe has a go at him, but, or certainly um, stands up to him. Uh, he He's... He always screams litigation, but then he pulls out. It follows the party failing to win a single seat in the Queensland state election in October. Maybe, Clive, it's time for you to see the writing on the wall. And perhaps you need to get out of politics completely, I think, anyway. Are you a supporter of Clive? Give me a call, 131269, the telephone number. I think he's, well, he's really... A non-entity now in Australian politics, isn't he?
0: Unscripted, genuine,
12: and sometimes silly. And, uh, you know, there has... uh, Let me make this uh, quite plain to you, uh, Marcus. Uh, There's never been a character like me uh, in terms of charisma.
1: (laughs)
0: Marcus, Paul in the Morning.
1: A note here on the email MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com at 16 minutes to 8 Sydney time. Uh, Matt, in regards to the Sydney incidents at the SCG, Marcus. This incident's relating to the alleged racial abuse needs to be put to bed immediately. It happens, if it happened, rather, act swiftly and decisively within the law. I've also been told by a reliable source exactly the same thing that you previously mentioned relating to what was said. So why is it that these ejected patrons are being splashed all over the media? Past incidents a decade old are being dredged up and yet nothing about what reliable witnesses saw and heard is mentioned. Well, that's right. Oh, look, in fairness, I've read a few articles and some stories this morning that do uh, say witnesses say these five or six bikes ejected yesterday from the SCG didn't verbally or racially abuse uh, the players in question. And they didn't. Um, I've read some accounts on social media from people who were seated nearby saying they couldn't believe that the police acted in the manner that they did. And look, the latest from New South Wales police is these blokes were let go without charge. I mean, their details were taken, so there's obviously an investigation that's ongoing. But, I mean, these blokes were released without charge. I mean, if I were them, to be honest, I'd be asking for another ticket after being kicked out. All righty, going to be hot today um, down in the south, well, I guess the south of our country, Melbourne. Sweltering under 37 degrees, Adelaide likewise, 37 degrees in Sydney, uh, 31 out in the west. Uh, We've got some more warm weather on the way leading into the weekend. Uh, But then again, El Niño will ensure probably that we see some more, uh, you know, very warm and humid days, followed by afternoon showers and thunderstorms. It's good to see that pattern back. It's what I grew up with. Authorities say they have determined the location of a crash site and black boxes after this aircraft crashed into the Java Sea, just off Indonesia. 62 people were on board the plane, which crashed shortly after takeoff. Earlier search efforts resulted in the plane being found in the sea at a depth of 23 metres. Rescuers also, unfortunately, pulled out bodies and pieces of children's clothing, yeah, when this first broke the other day and they said a, uh, a passenger plane off Indonesia had gone missing, straight away I thought of Malaysian flight, MH370, whatever it was. I thought, for goodness sake, not again. It's a tragedy, it really is. It's a real tragedy at this, well, at any time of the year, but in particular at this time of the year. Look, fires have been sparked and tear gas launched into protesters... At detention compounds on Christmas Island, yet again, it's time to close these things down, isn't it? And bring these people back to the mainland. It's not working. I mean, I read some papers, government release papers just last week that said we've been, we're still paying millions of dollars to look after four people from one family from Bilawila, where they should have gone back to maybe a year or so ago in detention offshore. It's just a complete and utter waste of money. It really is. How do you justify it? Any business out there could not justify spending millions of dollars of their money looking after four or five people from one family. So how do we have a government that justifies it? Anyway, refugees are protesting against being locked up for 22 hours per day and a lack of adequate Wi-Fi access. Ian Rintoul from the Refugee Action Coalition says the border force and federal police have broken their promises to protesters. Look, I'm not sure what that's all about, but I really think it's time to just scrap this whole idea of offshore proce- uh, processing. It's too costly. It's a waste of taxpayer dollars. It really is. And for what? to keep a couple hundred people out of the country. I'm not saying we let them in. Absolutely, I'm not suggesting that at all. What I'm suggesting is we try the best way we can to ensure that taxpayer dollars are spent responsibly. And they're not going to be spent responsibly while you continue to spend millions of dollars to keep one family locked up on Christmas Island or elsewhere. It's a waste of money. It really is. 131269, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say on this... Or any of the other news of the day. We'd love to hear from you. 12 to 8, Marcus Paul in the morning.
0: Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Listen, you Marcus Ball, weekday mornings from 5am on 2SM.
1: Okay, good to have you company. 8 to 8, New South Wales, daylight saving time. Look, a late night trip to KFC while drunk has turned a teenager's life upside down after he crashed his car into an embankment which left him and his friend injured and of course landed him in a whole world of trouble. Tyson Woodrow, who's aged 18, had been drinking throughout the day on November 18 before he tried to drive uh, uh, to KFC. Probably had the munchies. Well, that's all right. Just get an Uber. I mean, there are so many other ways to get to KFC than getting behind the wheel. Allegedly drunk, you idiot. The trip ended abruptly when he crashed head-on into an embankment. Now, police later recorded a 0.13 reading from the peep later. who's supposed to be zero. He was more than twice the limit. Now, the crash put the teen in hospital with a fractured sternum and lower spinal injuries. His friend, a passenger in the car, was also hurt. Now, Woodrow's lawyer told the court what happened was out of character for the teen. Woodrow was fined and disqualified from driving for three three months. Is that all? Three months. All right, well, let's hope he's learned his lesson. Um, look, at the end of the day, I understand, you know, teens have got to eat. But don't get behind the wheel drunk. Absolutely not. He could have killed somebody. It could have been so much worse for this young bloke. It sounds to me like the court has given him a second chance. I mean, I'm sure the fine would have been massive. And disqualification... For three months. Well, that's light, mind you. The young bloke has been in hospital with injuries to his sternum, etc. So he's probably learnt the lesson. Probably a a very painful lesson at that, I would imagine. All right, uh, some feedback coming through to the program now, and we appreciate it always. Uh, this one from Tony. G'day, Marcus. This is on the email, MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. G'day, Marcus. You're back. I'm pleased to hear your comments on Craig Kelly and the ivermectin garbage, unfortunately. Oh, look, I'm not going to talk about other broadcasters, but look, if somebody has been on pushing different theories and saying that our government's hiding information from us to support pharmaceutical giants, etc. I don't necessarily agree with that, (laughs) but you may. That's not the line I take. When they're back on air, you can call them and talk to them about it, but I'm not going to criticise each and every person's uh, well and truly able to have their say. Last time I checked, we're not Donald Trump. We haven't been banned. (laughs) Uh, If you agree or disagree, um, that's completely up to you. We'll put out all of these different... You know, okay, Dean it is, Dean Mackin did a great job, I think, of getting people thinking over the Christmas New Year period with his broadcasts. I don't agree with a lot of the content that Dean puts on the air, and but I mean, he's got a different viewpoint to me. That's what makes our radio network, I think, so good. We've got Everybody offering different opinions and you can either agree, disagree and even if you disagree with people it's important to hear what they have to say, I think I mean, that's why we have people from the political spectrum on this program Sometimes, of course um, we don't get to speak to the PM or the Premier but that's their choice, not ours <music> Look, I just wanted to Oh, hang on We finished? Yes. I just wanted to uh, say thank you to all of those hard-working city rail workers, all those men and women working on the railroad, doing a great job over the Christmas New Year period. Sydney commuters will be able to take trains now across the coat hanger from today. Excuse me. No trains have crossed the Sydney Harbour Bridge during the first 10 days of the year to allow the structure's 88-year-old rail corridor to be completely replaced. Look, I watched a little bit with interest. I watched some of this work that was taking place on the bridge. It was amazing. The amount of work that was done at all hours of the day and night. Sydney Trains Acting Chief Executive Suzanne Holden says the upgrade will be good for commuters. Well... Of course, any upgrade to an 88-year-old rail corridor is probably well and, tu- well and truly due. And I think it was done without too much of a headache for people who needed to cross the bridge uh, with public transport. There were plenty of buses running back and forth all the time. And well done to all those workers. A job well done. OK, the latest news sport and weather not too far away. 8 o'clock, New South Wales, daylight saving time. Marcus Paul in the morning.
0: Marcus Paul has Sydney talking, all the news and the views. Marcus Paul, weekdays from 5am on 2SM.
1: All right, welcome back to the program. Great to have your company. Our first show for 2021 on this Monday, January 11, 13 12 69 is the open line number. You can send us a text 0458049209 and some emails coming through that we'll get to. MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. In just a couple of moments, uh, Christina in the capital, although Christina is not in the capital, she's sitting directly opposite me. It'll be good to talk to her face to face. She can't get back to camera. Andrew Barr, the Chief Minister of the ACT, has shut everybody out, a little like Queensland, a little like Victoria. In fact, Andrew, you can keep it shut for the rest of the year. In fact, you can let everybody else in except for Christina, so we can keep her here in Sydney for our program, so we can get her on the mic every day. Anyway, Christina, in just a couple of moments. Look, if you want to have your say on this investigation that's underway into alleged racial abuse at the Sydney test, I've got a couple of notes that have started to come through. Marcus, uh, in regards to the Sydney test, the incident needs to be put to bed immediately. There were a number of uh, witnesses who said that basically it was light-hearted. There was a bit of banter. Uh, that was made towards one of the touring players that resembled nothing like a racial slur. Uh, Welcome to Sydney was one thing that was mentioned in others, but look, at the end of the day, um, they say, the Indian players, we have a problem here in Sydney with racism. Do you agree? Disagree? Give me a call, 13 12 69. (laughs) Okay, 10 past New South Wales, daylight saving time. Are you there, James?
13: Yeah, I yeah, am, Marcus. A um, couple of points. Uh, one, I'll leave the best till the end. Um, with wearing masks, I have to wear one when I'm driving. Now, if I go to read the time, I've got to take the mask down because I put my glasses on, they fog up. Mm. In the sun, when I put the sunnies on, I've got to move the mask down. Otherwise, I for glass sunglasses, and we've got these top-range bloody cloth ones.
1: When you say you have to wear them while you're driving, where are you? I'm in a bus. Oh, okay, so you're a bus driver? Yeah. Okay, so you have to wear a mask. That's what uh, the state government has asked you to do?
13: Yep, and they've made it mandatory we have to wear them. I mean, I don't Mm. know. We never wore them all last year, so... Yeah, okay. I don't know how it's changed from last
5: year to this year. And
1: I've heard that uh, before as well, people who wear glasses... Uh, I mean, I haven't, actually, I've got my glasses with me today. I might try it, Um, wear a mask and drive, particularly if it's humid. Um, So it fogs up, does it?
13: Yeah, and the glasses fog up. And the other thing, one of the other drivers mentioned, I never thought of, I haven't looked into it. You might too. Mm -hmm. When you breathe out, they say, oh, yeah, everything goes out. But not all your breath goes out. So your next breath breath in is going to breathe in some of the carbon dioxide that you just breathed out. Yep, well, and I, I notice you do get hot wearing them, and that. Too,
1: well, too. yes, I think they're uncomfortable, but I also think they're uh, important uh, if it stops people from uh, breathing uh, infectious diseases. Yeah, I agree. Others, you know, but, they've got a point, know.
13: but I main something somewhere I don't know what you know above my pay grade, and if I did have a, an answer <laughs> to it, uh, I'm not high enough for anyone to listen to, so I don't bother trying to come up with some sort of other idea. Uh,
1: so what uh, what what route are you on today? Without um, giving too I'm going, too going much around Taramurra at the
13: moment. Oh. I go out to Macquarie. Nice.
1: All right. Do you end up
13: at the uni there, do you? Yeah, I end up at the uni, in and out of that. So. Okay. All right. What was the other that's point the other you wanted thing. to make? Yep. One last thing. Um, when you speak to Elba, I mean, that's good. You know, okay, the other side don't talk to you. But I've never heard him actually, or you ask him, well, the government's doing this. He says, oh, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. I never hear him being asked, well, what would you do if you were in power? Well, look, that's a good point. We always hear a negative from him. We never hear, well, this is what I would do. Mm. I would have done this. He doesn't say that. So it's sort of like, oh, anyone can knock anyone's opinion or ideas or procedures, but if you aren't going to come up with another alternative, shut up, I reckon.
1: All right, well, that's fair enough. Uh, Look, that's not... uh true, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the opposition's come up with plenty of alternate ideas. I mean, they were the ones who came up with JobKeeper, JobSeeker, um, and which the government took on board and then put their slant on it, and that's what we ended up with. But uh, if there was no Anthony Albanese, I can guarantee you there would be no JobKeeper or JobSeeker. Um, Maybe it would be a little worse off, I don't know. Alright, but I appreciate that, thank you. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Warren, good morning, how are you? Ah, good morning, happy new year Marcus. You too, Warren, what's on your mind, mate? Yes, Marcus,
14: I work in a 200 bed aged care hostel and it is mandatory to wear a mask. Yeah. But the thing is, we have to change it every hour, because the other fellow that was talking to you is correct. When you breathe in and out, a lot of masks will trap what's whatever comes out of your body and if you've got a virus or something bad in your lungs it's going to stay on that mask might not affect everybody else but it's really dangerous to wear a mask any longer than an hour
1: all right thank you for that appreciate it thank you uh peter good morning how are you you there pete oh yeah i'm here all right pete what's on your mind mate that blake i was just
11: talking to you a moment ago about his Glass fogging up when he's wearing a
2: face
11: mask. Yeah, I I was telling the nurse the other week about it, and she said when you put the mask on, yeah, put
1: the glasses over them. Put the glasses over what? What do you mean the mask? Yeah.
11: All right. Uh, i yeah, Don't put the Mask over the glasses. If you put them underneath it, but will not occur.
1: Well, I got my mask here. All right, I've got one of the disposable masks. I'm going to put it on, and it's a little difficult with headphones. Hang on there. So the mask is going on. <laughs> I can't see a thing. All right, so yeah, the mask. When you put your when yeah. you put your glasses on,
11: tuck
1: them underneath it. So my glasses are on, and you're saying tuck the the mask under the glasses. Yeah or, or don't you mean over the glasses? Because I'm tucking it over the glasses now
11: No, that's when it occurs Oh
1: yeah, it's fogging up Oh, I see Alright, so I've got it over the glasses now Still yeah. fogging up a little bit But not as much Yeah, but we, if
11: you put them underneath it
1: hmm.
11: Or put the glasses Over the face mask Yeah It won't occur
1: Alright, good tip Appreciate it, thank you, Bobby. Good morning. How are you, Bobby? Good mate. mate. Here you go. All right, Bob. What's on your mate, mind?
15: You can always tell the, uh, the people from the other side, you know, when they they have a crack at elbow. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I just listened to that last mate. you have got to realise it's politics. You know, and politics play games against each other, politicians, and you don't give away what you intend to do.
1: Well, to some extent, no. But, I mean, uh, I always cop it. whenever. And I got a, a ton of messages after my chat with Albo this morning. Here's a good example from Dave. Anyone suffering insomnia, uh, well, all you need to do is uh, listen back to the Albo interview, play it when you're intending to go to sleep. I'll guarantee you'll be in a slumber with lamb within minutes. Uh, some people just don't like Anthony Albanese. I do, okay? I'm on the...
15: Yeah, I oh, will. What I like about him, Marcus, is front and he's not frightened to talk to people like yourself. You know, how many how many interviews does he get on with the other clowns on the on the other idiot box? <laughs> you know, have a look at them idiots, like mate. And you know, I you know, when you speak to Hadley, unless you're sponsoring show, mate, you don't get a gig.
1: Well, I don't know who you're talking about. Well, I do, but I don't listen. Uh, but he don't—he doesn't speak to other people, isn't it? Just three hours of his rambling, anyway. Exactly, mate. You know, right. and he, 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 mate. He's an ex-taxi driver. You know, no wonder he learned how to talk. <laughs> All right, believe it. There. 13 12 69 twelve, sixty-nine—the telephone number. If you would like to have you say, Marcus Paul, in the morning. <laughs> Thank you for those calls. Plenty of time today to take your open line calls. We're here till midday, okay? Try the veal. Uh, Lawsy will be back, uh, what, in three weeks from now? Now, on Marcus
0: Paul in the morning. I have always believed
1: in miracles.
0: The latest from the capital. With Christina Rosengrand.
1: Well... See, normally Christina would be uh, in Canberra, but she's not at the moment. Hello to you. Hi, Marcus. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Welcome to Sydney. I'm well. Uh, Happy New Year.
16: Happy New Year. Happy Christmas. Yes.
1: Uh, How was your Christmas?
16: It was lovely. got to catch up with family and friends. I came to Sydney Mm -hmm. and uh, and it seems like uh, that's been extended now. I get to see my family for a bit longer. I can't get back.
1: So how long have you been in town for?
16: Uh, I've been in town since the 18th of December.
1: Oh, okay. So that's a little while.
16: Yeah, it's a while now. It's almost... Uh,
1: nearly a month. N- yep, um, exactly. I hope you've packed enough clothes. Yeah, well, there's <laughs> a lot on rotation, doing a bit of, uh, bit <laughs> of laundry. <laughs> of course, that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Because uh, normally you'd be uh, in Canberra covering, uh, as you do each and every day, for the Super Radio Network and for our program, the latest uh, on politics. Are you yes. missing it? Canberra.
16: Yeah, I'm missing it a little bit. There is just a quality of, you know, working in Parliament House that you can't really get anywhere else. But I'm enjoying Sydney a lot too,
1: so I'm, wow. I'm not complaining. What do they say? Home is where the heart is. Yes, exactly. And exactly. if your family and, and loved ones are here in Sydney... See, I'm. I, maybe I should send a text. I've still got Andrew Barr's mobile. Maybe I should send a, a text <laughs> to the Chief Minister of the Australian Capital Territory and tell him, look... Um, you can reopen your borders to everybody, except for uh, this young lady, because we'd love to have you here in the studio each and every day. Well, it's really fun to be here. All right, so let's get into a couple of the issues. Um, there are calls for the Australian government to offer increased assistance to the people of Hong Kong. Things have gone, well, from bad to worse in honkers at the moment.
16: Yes, it's certainly not uh, very good over there. It's uh, so about... Six months ago in July, the uh, Prime Minister announced that he would allow a range of visa holders from Hong Kong to stay in the country for five more years and then from there offer them a pathway to permanent residency. And there's also uh, another program, a Global Talent and Business Innovation Program, which the PM said would bring the uh, brightest from Hong Kong to Australia. And uh, the government did not, however, uh, create a, a special humanitarian intake for Hong Kong as was called upon for the time. But those were the provisions that they did. Yeah. And uh, and what we see is that uh, there was estimated to be around 10,000 people who might be eligible, but there's only around 2,500 people who have benefited from those visa concessions and uh, around 500 people from the innovation program. So the Greens don't think it doesn't... Doesn't think, don't think it goes far enough, and uh, and independent retsk Patrick also wants uh, the immigration criteria to be widened, and of course this is in the context of those uh, 55 pro democracy campaigners being arrested in uh, in Hong Kong, and you can just see that the situation is worsening.
1: You see, uh, if we were to uh, bring a number of uh, people from Hong Kong to Australia, uh, you know, it's not as if with respect they're going to be uh, you know cleaners or they're going to be uh, blue collar workers. A lot of people who work in Hong Kong work in industries like information technology, Uh, you know, they're very bright individuals uh, and they would make a contribution to our economy.
16: There's certainly a a large portion of
1: them which would be skilled workers, yes. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Stranded overseas Australians claim it's now near impossible to return home.
16: Yes, so this was following that special meeting of National Cabinet last week and in that meeting, government leaders decided to uh, temporarily halve the number of hotel quarantine spots available each week. So that's in New South Wales, Queensland and WA. So that's 2,500 less people allowed into Australia each week, and uh, that will be reviewed in mid-February. So this obviously is a significant blow to people trying to get home. I think commercial mm. tickets are nearing almost $20,000 on top of what hotel quarantine costs. So, yep. you know, there's a lot of people overseas who are really just in such a desperate spot at the moment, and uh, things just aren't getting any easier for them.
1: Well, they were talking about possible, and I noticed Qantas even Last week, were putting tickets on sale from as early as June. Now, I think that's this is for overseas travel. Yes. Uh, Look, unless it's a a trans Tasman bubble or you know it's one of our nearest neighbours in the Pacific, I think that's very. Uh, very ambitious. I think so. Yes, I really do. Acting Prime Minister Michael McCormack believes regional Australia is being unfairly impacted by border closures.
16: Yes, so Michael uh, McCormack is uh, the acting PM at the moment. Scott Morrison's on a bit of a holiday and he's about to head out on a regional tour this week. So he'll be heading to uh, New South Wales and uh, the Northern Territory, Queensland and Tasmania. And the focus of that tour is uh, to hear what the regions really need to help them in their post-COVID recovery. And uh, he's been Speaking to News Corp, and ahead of this tour, he's been expressing a lot of frustration over the sort of statewide border closures that uh, we're seeing. So states closing their borders to mm-hmm. all of New South Wales or Queensland, for example, because yeah. of uh, you know COVID cases in the in uh, metropolitan areas. So he thinks that's uh, quite unfair. Uh, he says he respects premiers for putting safety first, but you know it still unfairly impacts on the regions. and And so that's uh, I think he's going to play that up this week, especially as he goes around and, and speaks with the regional and rural communities.
1: All right, Anthony Albanese was on the program earlier this morning um and exclusively told us that uh, he he's lucky to be alive did you you mentioned to me you saw um the aftermath of this accident uh, on uh, pictures and and, and, and he yes. drives a he drives a Camry that's pretty Australian for our boys isn't it <laughs> it is I well yeah
16: on on Instagram he's posted a photo of saw sort of the aftermath of how his car looked from this crash and it just it looks horrific, you know. Is it the whole front side has been punched in and looks like a pretty serious accident.
1: Well, it was, and I didn't realise how serious. I mean, I know he was taken overnight to Royal Prince Alfred. Uh, and we thought it was a T-bone accident, but Albo uh, confirmed this morning that, no, it was a, a head-on collision. And he basically told us that he, he saw his life flash before him. Here's a little of what Albo had to tell us earlier this morning on the program. The
9: experience, and I'm sure he will, and really commits himself to... To become Australia's safest driver. Well, absolutely. Uh, in the future, it was a uh, it was a very scary incident for for me. I thought it was the last thing I w- would see. Uh, really, to be Frank? It was. Uh, mm. It was to see a a very large vehicle um, right in front of you, uh, just just there, headed for you. Is uh, something that. It uh, will take me a little while to get over, obviously, it's mm. the, the, the shock of an incident like that. Um, but uh, I, I'm certain that it will take this young man uh, time to get over as well. And
1: Yeah, so that's Albo earlier this morning. He's referring to the 17-year-old driver who was in a Range Rover, of all things, and it was a, a head-on collision. Obviously, police are investigating, but it, um, the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, tells us this morning that... He was uh, he was driving, and this 17-year-old in the opposing car, or this Land Rover, was on the wrong side of the road.
16: Oh gosh, what was it doing there?
1: Well, that's a good <laughs> question. Absolutely, he's been charged mm-hmm. uh, with negligent driving, and and as we hear, um, Anthony Albanese, he thought it was the last thing he'd see.
16: Yes. Well, boy, oh boy. I don't know if you've ever been in a car crash. I haven't. But you know, when you're driving, you, there's always close calls every now yes. and then, yep. and it gets your heartbeat racing. At You know, I've never been in a crash, but certainly Mm. those little moments can scare you as well.
1: Fingers crossed you never are, uh, because they are very, very nasty. And you're right. uh, It can lead to all sorts of things like shock and obviously serious injury or worst case scenario, death. Christina in the capital, in our studio. um, Mm. We've got you, I think, till at least Wednesday. Is that when uh, the... the change may occur with borders yes. for the ACT.
16: So the ACT might announce uh, that they're lifting those restrictions. So currently, I, I can get back, but not without quarantining for two yes. weeks, which is a, which is a bit of a problem. Makes so, it hard um,
1: for you to, to do to do my work. Yes, <laughs> out of Parliament House. Mm-hmm. Don't you get special exemptions? Surely, there somebody are some, of your uh, calibre,
16: media exemptions. But I don't think so. Not in this case. Oh.
1: Wow, don't they know who we think you are? <laughs> All right, Christina, good to chat. Thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Christina in the Capital live in our studio this morning. It's Marcus Paul in the morning. We've got the 8.30 news just moments away.
0: Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Marcus Paul, weekdays from 5am on 2SM. OK,
1: here we are for our first show of 2021. Good to have you company, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Uh, the text line is open as well, 0458 049 209. And I've got a couple of emails I'll get to in just a, a few moments, and thank you for those. Uh, dozens of drug users, given a second chance with on-the-spot fines, have refused to pay up with... I think at least a dozen fines remaining unpaid among the first dished out two years ago. As the New South Wales government considers extending the controversial criminal infringement notices to give drug users another two chances before they are criminally charged, it's been revealed that at least 72 people have ignored the 60-day rule to pay their $400 fines. From January 2019, when these infringement notices were first introduced, Figures from Revenue New South Wales show that 797 had been issued up to April last year, most of them at the height of the music festival season in January 2020, when 150 people were issued for ecstasy alone. Of the total $318,000 in fines, 28 grand remains unpaid. Now, Tony Wood, who's been on the program here before, uh, Tony, of course, is the father of the young lady who died from a drug overdose, uh, Anna Wood. She was only 15 when she took a tablet at a rave party, as we know, and she unfortunately lost her life. Tony Wood says the figures don't surprise him. They have enough money to buy the drug. They should be made to pay the fine, he said, and I agree. What do you make of it? 13-12-69 is the telephone number. I mean, not ordinarily. An overdue fine attracts an extra $65 penalty, and Revenue New South Wales says it now had to resort to other ways of recouping the money from suspended driving licences and car registration to seizing goods. Well, maybe that's the way to recoup this money. Uh, if you're caught with illegal drugs and you fine $400, bucks, pay up got enough money to buy the drugs in the first place? Then pay the fine. And if you don't pay the fine, then you should lose your driver's licence. Simple, really, I would have thought. 131269, the telephone number to have you say. Uh, Good morning to our listeners on the northern rivers of New South Wales. Uh, I've got a story relating to your area. A man has been charged after allegedly sending threatening emails to a Victorian MP last year. Now, after a search warrant was executed at a Nimbin home uh, in December, officers seized a number of electronic devices and they arrested a 53-year-old man at this Nimbin home. He's been charged with using a carriage service to threaten to kill and two counts of using a carriage service to menace, harass and offend. Now, he was granted strict conditional bail to appear at Lismore, Lismore Local Court today and no doubt we'll have more information on that for you. Uh, he's not been named at this stage. Uh, this was a man charged after allegedly sending threatening emails to a Victorian MP. Meanwhile, for my Queensland listeners, police are appealing for our help in the search for a missing man from Redbank Plains, southwest of Brisbane. Desmond Pittman was last seen leaving the Cotton Crescent care facility around 12:30 yesterday afternoon. Uh, the 59-year-old is described as Caucasian in appearance, around 178 centimetres tall, uh, medium in build, uh, with greying hair and a beard. He was last seen wearing a grey T-shirt, grey shorts and thongs. And, of course, there are concerns for his welfare as he suffers from a medical condition and has no access to money or a mobile phone. one 800 0 if you can help out police and uh, authorities. As we look for this missing man, Desmond Pittman. His name is 59, and he's gone missing from the Cotton Crescent Care Facility at Red Bank Plains, just southwest of Bris Vegas. All right, Keith is there on the open line, 13 12, Morning, Keith. Name is 59. Are you there, Keith? We need you to turn your radio down, mate, so that we can uh, get you live. We are on delay, of course, with callers. Uh, Keith, are you there? Nah, all right. Maybe we'll get. Uh, Keith educated on what we need to do there, Justin. Thank you. 131269, the telephone number. Emails. Let's have a look at a couple that have come through. Eric from Port Macquarie. Eric, I love getting your emails. And thank you for uh, corresponding with us again so far this year for our first show. G'day, Marcus. Nice to have you back. And trust you had a pleasant Christmas and happy holiday break. And all the best for the new year. It's not surprising that Scott Morrison failed to castigate Trump for his role in those appalling events last week. They appear to be good friends. I think they talk (laughs) the same language. The truth and sensibility play no part in their thinking or uh, lexicon. Uh, They both talk in slogans and memes. They lack curiosity and pay no heed to convention or the rules of the game. They both have amazing ability to use sentences without a verb. This is the age of retail politics and Scott is a salesman. So when contemplating policy, the question is, will it sell, not is it good or bad? I love your emails, Eric. You're right. Yeah, you are right. When you think about it, Trump and Morrison both do have amazing ability to use sentences without a verb. They talk in slogans and memes and, They are retail politicians. And ScoMo, or as Anthony Albanese calls him, Promo, (laughs) is a salesman. Uh, Speaking of Albo, Di has been in touch. G'day, Marcus. Welcome back. I missed your chat this morning with Anthony Albanese. Wondering if you could put it up as a podcast regards Di. Well, Di, yes, it's up there as we speak. By the way, uh, we are happy to say that each and every day we will be podcasting the program in full. Uh, And it's available on a number of platforms this year. I'll get Justin in in just a couple of moments to explain to you exactly how it all works. He set it up. I'm a bit of a numpty when it comes to all that sort of stuff, but uh, the podcasts are up there on Facebook uh, and you click on them and then you go to wherever else you go to. Isn't that right, Justin? Here he comes. I need to talk to Scruff. I haven't spoken to Scruff yet this year. Oh, Hello, look, mate. Good. How are you going, mate? Welcome oh, back. Welcome back to you too. Well, we have do have podcasts now. Hang on. Did you get that shirt for Christmas? No, I wore this last... Oh, I time know. I saw you, I think. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's the only shirt I have, really. <laughs> didn't didn't say it. Oh, I've still got your Chris Kringle, too, Yeah, by my the way. Chris Kringle hasn't come from Marcus. Oh, God. It's, it's I only just remembered. as soon as I opened up my <laughs> mouth and said it. It's sitting at... It, it is dead set sitting at home. <laughs> I didn't get it. Anyway. That's okay. Now, we've got a, the podcast running now. You can go mm. to our Facebook page yes. and see the link there. Yes. It's available on Spotify. That's the one... <gasps> Um, Link that uh, everyone wanted Spotify So we definitely put it out Also on TuneIn And other podcast uh, places to go to So it's easy So we're on Spotify We're on Spotify Marcus Paul in the morning Your ugly head is up there Wow (laughs) Did you use an ugly photo did you? No it was the best photo I could find Which just happened to be ugly (laughs) You said it Okay, 13 to 9, 13 to 8 in Queensland. David, are you there?
10: Yes, happy uh, Christmas and New
1: Year. Oh, David, hello, mate. How are you?
10: Super good, super good.
1: Excellent. Welcome back.
10: Well, did you hear about this new restaurant called Karma? (laughs) There's no menu. You just get what you deserve.
1: (laughs) Oh, David, are you going to grace us with your presents each and every day for your daggy dad joke?
10: Yes, of course.
1: I love it. How was (laughs) your Christmas and New Year, mate?
10: Oh, super good, thank you. Yes, yeah, so I went up to Queensland. To, Did you? Kingscliff, I mean Kingscliff, Queensland. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a bit hot, actually, but mm. yeah, I had uh, son up there, and a uh, daughter-in-law and uh, three uh, grandchildren, seven, oh, nine, oh, and nice. five, and, uh, yeah, it was lovely.
1: All right, mate. Well, thank look, you. thank you for contributing. Uh, we look forward to hearing you around this time each and every morning for your daggy dad joke. You're always welcome on this program. Look after yourself, Dave. Thanks again, as always. Thank you. All right, mate. Bye-bye. Keith, are you back? Hello. Hello. Yes, Keith. How are you, mate? I'm OK, Keith. What's on your mind, buddy?
5: I'm
15: sorry, mate. I had trouble okay? with me dog barking around the front. No All worries. Right. All right. Um, now, I was just um, sort of... Like, my concern, I'm an old gigger and police officer, really, and my concern is the community. And why mm. is the Australian government bringing people over from the U.S., and England, and Europe, when, like, if if you look at the Charles Darwin University in the Northern Territory where I live, yep. you know, they, they brought so many... Yeah, um, students back over the last four or five months, and and the thing is, this new barrier and the the,
5: the, the chance.
1: Yeah, all right, we'll leave it there, um, Keith. You're a little hard to understand, but I take your point. I would like to know as well why we've allowed some so many people to travel into Australia. I mean, I saw an Air China flight yesterday, touched down in at Sydney's International Airport. Uh, when I say a China, I know it was, a, it was some Chinese flight. It had, you know, the Chinese riding all over um, the plane and on its tail, etc. And I'm thinking to myself, where are these people coming from? Are they going into quarantine? I would bloody well hope so. I mean, if they're not, then aren't we running the risk of importing more COVID-19 cases? I mean, that is a major concern. Absolutely. And people shake their heads wondering why on earth are we still allowing planes carrying carrying overseas visitors to Australia? Look, I understand that there are some people who are Australians who are returning, and I get that, they'll go into quarantine, that's the way it works. But there are a lot of people, as we told you late last year, who aren't. Foreign diplomats and others who are exempt from quarantine. I guess the least we can expect is that these people are at least having COVID tests. I would hope so. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, Now emails, MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. In just a moment, we will go to uh, Nikki Fay from Local Edge Marketing. I want to have a chat with Nikki this morning as we kickstart social media for 2020. So Nikki, in just a moment, right now though, an email from Dennis regarding Anthony Albanese. Good to hear you back, Marcus. Good to hear the chap with Albo. It's also good to see that there will be some sort of normality in world affairs when Trump finally leaves. Well, we can only hope so, I guess. He goes on to say, I'm sure many world leaders will approve the new US president. As for Clive Palmer and his threatening court actions, he's followed... Joe Bjelke-Peterson. Prior to an election, Bjelke-Peterson would take out writs of defamation on any politician who criticised him in order to try and gag them. And then after he won the election, he would drop any court action. It was simply a ploy. Yeah, the big difference, I guess, between Bjelke-Peterson and, of course, (laughs) the other bloke, Clive Palmer, is that at least Bjelke-Peterson was electable and was elected to serve the people. Clive Palmer, on the other hand, is just a big, walking, fat checkbook.
0: And now, on Marcus Paul in the Morning, socially speaking, with Nicole Fay, thanks to Local Edge Marketing.
1: Okay, let's get into it. 2021, good morning, Nikki. Good morning, Marcus, how are you? Oh, can't complain, can't complain at all. Uh, look, we've... uh good. We've... Discovered things like Spotify and all these other wonderful ways of getting our message out there, apart from, you know, obviously uh, here on the Super yes. Radio Network. And we've linked it all into our social media. And, and Justin, to join us and all this sort of stuff, I've got no idea what's going on, but apparently it's good. Oh,
17: change, change is always good. Finding new platforms is always good. Yeah. Sounds um, like you guys are definitely with the time.
1: Well, one of us is. <laughs> One of us is.
17: Oh, that's good. That's great progress.
1: There you go. So what's happening with you? How was your Christmas and New Year, Nicole?
17: Oh, yes, yes. Lovely, thank you. Um, Today's the agency's first day back, and we are ready and raring to go for another great year.
1: Wonderful. Local edge out there at Penrith. Um, Let's hope you have a big year, lots of new clients, and certainly, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a new world when it comes to trying to get your message out there what should people be thinking about at this early stage of 2021, bearing in mind it is only, of course, the 11th of January?
17: That's right. Look, now for many, many businesses, this week, possibly last week, um, is when everyone's getting back into it. And it really is the perfect time to just sit down and have a think about how you do want to communicate your business over the coming year. And the very, very first part of that is working out What are the goals that you want to achieve with your communication, um, specifically on social? And, you know, that might be to increase leads or your quotes. And then what you do is you sit down and you think about how you can piece out your strategy to make that become a reality.
1: Well, that's right. Uh, I mean, planning is so very important, isn't it, in any business, obviously. So but you need to, but importantly as well, you need to plan a social media attack on, or certainly yes. some sort of, um, uh, well, I guess some sort of plan to increase your your uh, your number of people that interact with you online. Yeah, to get it's, your message it's out. It's
17: crucial. There. It's crucial. Gone are the days of business owners, you know. Posting willy-nilly Yeah.
2: because okay. when you
17: post willy-nilly or here and there when you get a ch- when you get a chance mm-hmm. You're at the kids soccer, and you've got a chance to post that doesn't that doesn't drive results for the business It's got to be strategically planned Consistent you've got to turn up for the audience um, And that content needs to be a good mix to make sure that it at the end of the day achieves those objectives Yeah, but getting people to get in touch
1: Nicky, uh, I'm all for free speech, as you know. What do you make of yes. Donald Trump uh, and oh. the American president being banned from social media, including Facebook,
2: yes. uh, Twitter? Twitter, yes. importantly
1: for him. That's, his, that's been his big go-to. Uh, what sort yeah. of ramifications? What, what are the ramifications of this, look, do you think?
17: I think, look, I read the large statement that Mark Zuckerberg um, put out about this. And I must admit, I read every single word and I did agree with every word that he wrote. At the end of the day, he wants to make sure that the platform, um, and I I guess it's, you know, similarly with Twitter, Mm. those platforms are there for a purpose. And yes, free speech is a large part, but any kind of free speech that's really going to incite violence and major, major Issue yeah, in a country yeah, yeah. is if if I was the owner of a platform, I would have done the exact same um, thing that they've done. All right, it's, it's, yeah, it's not safe.
1: All right, Nikki, uh, where do we go right. for uh, more information on uh, on how you can successfully use social media uh, both personally and professionally?
17: Yeah, that's it. Look, all you guys have to do, just Google search local edge marketing. You can also find us by typing in the same term on Facebook and Instagram. You can catch all the action there. We're always happy to help anyone who wants to give um, their business a real go on social.
1: All right, Nikki. great to chat. We'll uh, look forward to uh, each and every Monday when we catch up with you, probably a little earlier next week. We um, Lovely. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. Massaging times here and trying to fit everything in on our first show back, but it was great that we could chat to you and we'll talk again next week. All the best, Nick. Brilliant. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, Nicole, uh, Nikki Fay from Local Edge, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say... Mm-hmm. The latest news, sport and weather coming up next at nine o'clock, New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. We're here till midday today. All right, good morning and welcome to the program. Welcome back if you've been with us all morning already, Marcus Paul in the morning. It is a Monday, January 11, 2021. We're here for our first program of the year. hope you've had a great year so far. It's kind of a little like the end of 2020, all muddled up at least the weather's improved (laughs) that's about it though Uh, more issues with COVID 19 of course we've had that well i don't want to call it an insurrection but there was certainly drama in the united states of america politically things are slowly getting back to normal there but unfortunately there are a number of issues that still need to be uh, sorted will outgoing US President Donald Trump be impeached? Not quite sure. number of uh, people believe so. number of people believe he should be. But then again, what's happened to free speech? Should the President of the United States, which he still is until the 20th of January, should he be able to be on social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook and others? Well, not according to the owners of these private companies. What do you make of it? I'd love to hear from you this morning. There's plenty to talk about. The latest COVID news. We'll give you the details as they come to hand. This program is all about the news and the views. We can't have a show without you, so get dialing. The telephone number is 131269. 131269. If you want to send me an email, you can do that as well. morning at 2SM Supernetwork.com. MP in the morning at 2SM Supernetwork.com. And if you would like to send us a text message, well the Fortress text number is open 0458-049-209. 048. I beg your pardon. 0458-049-209. We're here for the next few weeks until midday New South Wales Daylight Saving Time for the great man John Laws, who returns for 2021 very soon. Well, now the Queensland Government will announce its decision on the Greater Brisbane lockdown a little later today. As we know, residents of Brisbane, Redlands, Logan-Ipswich and Moreton Bay have been under lockdown since six o'clock on Friday evening. They're supposed to be released from the lockdown at six o'clock tonight, but that well could be extended. Uh, Queensland contact tracers have begun working to ensure the UK variant of COVID-19, which is this new nasty strain, hasn't circulated within the greater community. Let's hope not. The Sunshine State recorded no new locally acquired COVID-19 cases yesterday. And I would hope that's repeated today, which means that ultimately, Queensland could well be very open or could very well be opened again. A little like Sydney is. Uh, of course, Sydney ciders were united as one yesterday after the Northern Beaches lockdown uh, basically reopened. So, any area in that uh, quadrant of Sydney's Northern Beaches, from Vale Road, from the Baja Temple, all the way through to the Spit Bridge, was off limits, but now is reopened for business. And how are local businesses down there coping? It'd be very difficult, very difficult to make up lost revenue from the last couple of weeks, particularly over, you know, uh, when it comes to people who've perhaps held off holding celebrations. I mean, Manly itself, the Corso, and areas that generally would have been jam-packed with sunseekers and holiday makers. The place has been like a, a, a desert. Anyway. I suppose it's all for the greater good, and that is to ensure that we lock down any new cases of COVID-19. I mean, could be worse. We could be in a crisis like they are in England. Hospitals are struggling to cope with rising patient numbers. But here in Australia, we are doing a great job, as always, on getting this thing under control. Meanwhile, back in Sydney, I see that Mount Druitt Hospital in Sydney's western suburbs, the emergency ward is closed after a positive COVID-19 case was detected there. And what about this story? Cricket Australia has launched investigations into alleged racial abuse at the Sydney test. Uh, Now, yesterday, play was halted for almost 10 minutes. Ridiculously, I think. Why couldn't they just continue with the game while... Police and security escorted people out of the ground if they needed to. My understanding is they didn't need to. Now, I've spoken to and, and read a number of you know really interesting bits of information on this. Uh, the five blokes, young blokes mostly, that were evicted from the Sydney cricket ground yesterday by police didn't abuse anybody. Certainly, they weren't racial. There was a bit of sledging going on. But it was more a case of welcome to Sydney, to the player that they were having a crack at, Mohamed Siraj. Look, I'm not suggesting for a moment that it doesn't happen. But to be perfectly honest, I'm a little annoyed with what happened yesterday at the Sydney Cricket Ground. The Australian batsmen were on the ascendancy. We're gonna win this test anyway. And it's almost like the Indians threw the toys out of the cot and wanted to scream racist when things weren't going their way. That's my reading of it anyway. I mean, the incident stopped play for almost 10 minutes as security guards removed six spectators from the SCG. And on top of that, we read today in the paper that apparently we've got a massive problem here in Australia with racism. Well, have we? I mean, Talking Sport will be back from three this afternoon. The boys on Talking Sport, Graham Hughes, Robbo, I mean, they'll have a lot to say on this so-called racism in sport. I think, I don't think it's as rife as what the Indians are claiming that it is. I really don't. I really, really don't. But India's Ashwin says that the SCG has a history of nasty behaviour from spectators, which he says he's experienced across four tours to Australia. In other words, he's saying that every time he's come here over the last decade, he's been abused or racially vilified. Anyway, what do you make of it? 131269, the telephone number going to be hot today in a number of areas. Uh, Sydney's west getting out to 31 degrees, but in particular in the south of our country, Melbourne and Adelaide, 37 degrees. So it's going to be certainly hot and that heat will make its way up towards most of our listing areas over the next couple of days. Uh, now authorities say they have determined the location of this crash site and black box After this aircraft crashed into the Java Sea, 62 people were on board this plane, which crashed shortly after takeoff in Indonesia. Earlier search efforts resulted in the plane being found in the sea at a depth of some 23 metres. And sadly, we've seen rescuers pulling out bodies and pieces of children's clothing. 13 12 69 if you would like to have your say marcus paul in the morning filling in for lawsy he'll be back a little later this month possibly just after the australia day long weekend we'll go to your calls in just a couple of moments
0: australia's only contemporary news talk radio program all the news and your views marcus paul in the morning
1: all right, let's get into callers. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Sheila, good morning. How are you?
18: Good morning, Marcus. And I'm, I'm just ringing this morning because I, I rang you months ago to tell you it was a relief to have you on the radio. Oh,
1: thank and you. And <laughs> I'm,
18: I'm just calling to say it's a, welcome back. It's still a relief to have you on the radio.
1: Thank you, Sheila. You're from Balmain, aren't you, in Sydney? Yes, I am. Lovely, lovely. And have you managed to do anything at all uh, during the past couple of weeks? I know we've needed to be very careful.
18: Look, Marcus, I'll be 79 later this year. Yes. I could care less. I just don't care.
1: Uh, what about uh, mask wearing? Have you been out to the shops? You know you need to wear a mask yes, when you go yes, shopping. Yes,
18: I've got some from the chemist. Oh, good girl. And I've got yes. a couple um, that somebody made. Okay. Because she lost her job. She was, um, you know, she, she was supposed to be employed, so she lost her job. Oh, dear. So she started making masks. Oh, good. To good. make some money.
1: Oh, good honour and well done to you for buying them. Yeah, the... yeah.
18: Uh, y- you know, it's kind of us is looking out for each other.
1: I think so, and that's what we should be doing at this time. In fact, at yeah, every absolutely. time. Absolutely. But welcome back, Marcus. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. You have a great day, and I appreciate the call. Brian, are you there? Yes, I am, Marcus. G'day, Brian. How are you? Good morning,
12: just going to say one thing to you, this is the greatest network for exchange or platform of ideas, I absolutely love your program. Thank you. Now look, what I wanted to quickly talk about was this viral uh, infection rate. We all know where it is, where it comes from, and the Prime Minister, the Premiers have got a you stop the stop the planes bringing it in, or if they want to bring it in, bring in people. They have to pay the price for it. In other words, those car parks are massive. They can erect temporary um, quarantine hospital facilities and the undercover ones or the open air, and they've got to pay the price for bringing in the infection rate. Australia was nearly clean, um, and they then,
1: were yes.
12: And then all of a sudden, the airports came in. They know the source of it. We shouldn't have to be locked down and businesses closing, people losing jobs, destroying our economy. They've got to look at it and say, where is the problem? It's the airports. Do something about quarantining and let the airports pay the price because they want this income to fly the planes and the infected people in the world are so contaminated, as you're aware of. And they've, they've got to make the airports more responsible for their actions. They're just taking money and saying, well, you deal with these dirty um, people we're bringing in. And I don't mean that in a true
1: sense. I know what you mean. Well, Uh, I mean, that's where the infection has come from. There's no doubt. And I I can't believe, I can't believe that we allowed people to travel to Australia from overseas, bringing a second wave of coronavirus in particular to Sydney. We know Sydney is the major gateway to the country. More and more... Uh, flights were arriving at the Gateway Airport, being Sydney International Airport there at, at Mascot. And unfortunately, it was always going to happen. I think risk uh, assessment has let us down here and we should not have allowed anybody... Anybody from, unless they're returning Australians, of course, and they need to go into quarantine and be tested. But we're always going to have somebody, unfortunately, slip through the cracks, whether it's, you know, overseas...
12: uh, That's uh, right. we We can
1: minimise the rate of infection and making the airlines
12: more responsible. You quarantine them there, you have your quarantine stations. If you want to fly and take people's money, then you've got to be... Some of that has got to go towards infection control, quarantine control. Or none. And then they'll say, oh, we don't want none. OK, you start being more responsible for what's happening. And if we don't do that, yeah. the rest of the country gets infected, our economies go, the jobs go. And it's not the people in individual areas. They shouldn't have to be locked down and businesses suffering in the economy. We know the source. Let's yep. deal with the source. And why isn't the Prime Minister. And the premiers banding together and say, "Listen, the source is the problem, is the airports. We've got to come up to a, to a better solution. Do they go to um, Christmas Island or somewhere? I don't know, but that is the source. It's like a leaking dam. Eventually, the water will all drain out." And I say, "Well, we better do something about water management control or whatever."
1: Yep, well said. Appreciate it. Great call, Brian. Thank you. All right, Leone. Good morning. How are you?
19: Yes. Good morning, Marcus. Yeah, I'm well, thanks. Did you have a good
1: holiday? Wasn't too bad at all. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't uh, travel in the state to visit family, which is what I really hope for, Leonie, up there on the Gold Coast. But... Yeah, your dad.
19: I know you want to see your dad. Well, yeah. fingers
1: crossed that things might change in the coming weeks because, there are look, uh, I mean, that's just my personal experience, but I have loved ones and close people who are due to be married in the coming weeks as well, mm. and I know that people's lives have been turned upside down by this pandemic, and I just want it all to be over. I really do.
19: Yes, that would be good. But, look, I just had two quick things. Sure. Um, a movie and a Mark Latham tweet. And yeah, we came across a good movie that people might like on YouTube last night, and it's called Clancy. And it's just about a young girl abused by a drug affected mother. She runs away and meets a homeless Gulf War veteran who protects her. Oh, okay. um, but it was a good movie, yeah, and then there's a sequel to it called Clancy Once Again.
1: All right, Clancy, I might have yeah. a look for that. Thank you for letting us yeah. know.
19: And yep. also, Mark Latham tweet. Um, are you there?
1: I'm listening, Leona, yes. Oh, yeah.
19: Yeah, the Mark Latham tweet said, Lost in the chaos, on New Year's Day, Pelosi introduced rules for the 117th Congress. During the next two years, new gender-inclusive ling- language will outlaw such terms as father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle and aunt and so on. Are they still and going say, on
1: with this, are they? Really?
19: In America, well, it's going oh. to be outlawed. It's not just a suggestion. And, yeah. and I say, look, watch out because these ridiculous rules are going to get quickly worse now, like all the shutting down of conservative Twitter accounts. And Mm. I think it's, um, yeah, dreadful for free speech.
9: All
1: right. Well, look, I didn't have an issue with Twitter or Facebook closing down Donald Trump's accounts during the upheaval of last week. I thought that was the responsible thing to do. But I disagree with the fact that they are not going to give Donald Trump a platform in the future. I mean, what happened to free speech?
19: That's right. I mean, it's all very well to shut him down from saying anything. And then they come out with all these things that he's supposedly saying, but he's got no way of backing it up. And look, a group in Australia called Reset Australia Mm -hmm. said that his account should have been, you know, would have been better if it was shut down two years ago. So, I mean, that's a bit outrageous.
1: No, well, look, everybody's entitled to their opinions, but the point that you make is very, very valid, Leonie, and you're saying if we've got all these other, whether it's research, Australia, no matter who it is, if everybody out there can have a voice on a social media platform and can criticise Donald Trump or criticise Trump supporters or criticise, you know, Democrats or Republicans or whatever, uh, I mean, ultimately, there needs to be some sort of... um, balance in play. Now, I agreed with the, uh, just last week, late last week, when things went, you know, to hell in a handbasket in the Washington DC area, and we had all of these protesters storm the Capitol buildings. It should never have happened. I think we all agree with that. However, the time uh, that they say they will uh, shut down Donald Trump's opinions, if you like, well it's indefinite. Now, I don't know whether that's the right thing to do. And again, what will that lead to? Possibly. I mean, he's got 50, is it 59 million followers? Something like that. Where are these 59 million people going to go? That's the other issue. Uh, Will he perhaps set up a new social media platform himself? Look, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, Just in relation to my caller on COVID um, with the airport's and whether or not we imported the second uh, strain of this virus or this new strain or whatever it is whichever way you want to put it there will always be covid there's always going to be a risk we may never fly again or well, normally overseas unless of course and we've heard you know comments about this and not a lot of people are happy about it about the vaccine Now, I spoke to Anthony Albanese this morning, the federal opposition leader. He says that he believes that the vaccine should be made available earlier than what the government's forecast. Albo's been calling for this for a while. Scott Morrison says originally it was going to be what, late March? Now we're told it could be early February or even earlier. If that's the case, will that mean we can fly again or get back to some sort of normality? There'll be a lot of people out there who won't take the COVID-19 vaccine. And that should be all right. You shouldn't have to take the vaccine. However, if you work with the most vulnerable in our community, you work with young children, whether it's day care or aged care, you work in a, you know, the hospitality industry, I think you'll find that a lot of people will be, for want of a better word, forced to take the COVID-19 vaccine in order for them to work. What do you make of that? Give us a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number.
0: Australia's only contemporary news talk radio program. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: All right, back to callers. In just a moment, Stephen has given us an email. MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. Stephen says, Marcus, I'm glad you're back. I felt a need to question why the radio station has brought back an aggressive far-right conspiracy theorist in Dean. Nasty to callers who challenge him. Rambling about a new world order. Spruiking unverified vaccines. He makes Malcolm Roberts seem tame. He belongs on Sky After Dark. <laughs> and he uses your good name to validate his shock jock behaviour. It's reckless and rude. Okay, um, look, he's here and he'll be back, I think, on the weekend. If you want to ring him, Stephen, let him know. But again, that's a part of the broad church of this network. Everyone's entitled to their views and opinions. And, uh, you know, he makes you think. I don't agree with a lot of it, but he makes you think. Me, I sort of err on the side of caution when it comes to things like viruses and pandemic. I'll go with what the health authorities tell us. And when the health authorities tell us that, you know, these fires of vaccines and others are going to be safe to take, well, then... I'll broadcast that message. Uh, I don't know enough about any of the other vaccines that are out there, uh, but Dean seems to, and seems to back it up with some uh, evidence that he's researched himself. That's completely and utterly up to him. Hello, Peter. How are you, mate? Yes, good
20: morning. How are you going?
1: All right, thanks, Pete. What's on your mind? Uh, all that uh,
20: business about the uh, vaccine and that, but at the end of the day, if you look outside the box, the, it was very quickly how they got the vaccine together. the thing that amused me the other day when a friend of mine went and got his dog vaccinated. They have a COVID-19 vaccination for dogs. Now, you've got to get it done. Quite expensive, especially if you've got pups. So it seems to be amusing that you got a COVID-19 vaccine for dogs in the country before we've got vaccine for the population. So the big drug companies are pushing it. and Basically, the left wing's wrong and the right wing's wrong, but they're right. It makes you wonder, doesn't
1: it? I've got a headache just from listening to that rubbish. Absolute rubbish. <sighs> Alright Brendan says, G'day Marcus, nothing against Anthony Albanese, but that discussion you had with him this morning reminded me of the old wide world of sports when the boys asked Richie what they'd talk about if there wasn't rain. Richie said, I don't care, just talk about the cruise for two to (laughs) Tasmania. What are you trying to say Brendan? Uh, We heard from Albo this morning and apart from a little bit of politics, he basically told us on my program exclusively that he felt he was lucky to be alive. Nothing more relatable than that. Uh, And we can confirm this morning, after speaking with Anthony, that this accident that he was involved in, in Marrickville on Friday, almost killed him. I mean, he told me, and I'll play some audio back later, he told me that basically he thought that he was, that was the end of him. Uh, This young driver who's been charged, by the way, by police, it's been confirmed this morning, this young bloke, was allegedly driving on the wrong side of the road and hit Anthony Albanese, driving his Toyota Camry head-on. And we understand, and I've seen the, uh, uh, the photographs of the aftermath of this accident. Albo's actually very, very lucky to be alive, as is the young bloke. Both spent the night in hospital. Anthony is still on some kind of pain relief, but he'll be okay. He'll need to be, because there could well be a federal election. They're on election footing, they tell us, at Labor at the moment. <music> All right, speaking of Anthony's, hello, mate, how are you?
21: Uh, good morning, Marcus, how are you?
1: All right, thank you, mate.
21: Yeah, mate, you had a guy on there a little earlier talking about um, <coughs> uh, travellers coming back into Australia and should be vaccinated or what? <coughs> not Yeah, vaccinated for the COVID-19 virus before they
2: arrived.
21: Yeah. Yeah, just uh, experience of mine, my girlfriend and I a couple of years ago, we got a motorcycle ride holiday over in South America. And um, before we left, we had to get a, a vaccination for, I think it was yellow fever, but don't quote me on that, but it was something like that anyway. Yep. And we had to carry a yellow card with us. Yep. And that wasn't to allow us to get into South America. It was to actually allow us to come back home from South America. So it's, sort of, it's something that <coughs> happens already. Like, well, this is the, the fact that you've been vaccinated to get back into the country.
1: This is the thing. If you want to travel overseas to a number of countries, you need to get X, Y and Z vaccinations. OK, you want to go to um, somewhere exotic, I don't know, South America, for instance, The advice is you need to get a malaria or whatever it is, whatever the the disease is that's over there at the time. You need to be vaccinated against it. Why is it that we're allowing people into our country before a vaccination is available? We should not be allowing anybody from any other country back into uh, into Sydney, uh, Sydney International Airport. That's where this new outbreak has sprung from. We shouldn't be allowing them at this point in time, I don't think.
21: Yeah, no, that's right, because it's, it's, as I say, it's, it's not like it, it doesn't already happen with other
9: diseases,
1: so... Yep, absolutely, and there's things in play. Uh, if we need to be vaccinated against something to travel overseas, well then, it should be mandated, I believe, for people travelling to Australia. But then again, the airlines would disagree, and the aviation industry would certainly disagree. I mean, they want to get back flying as soon as possible. But it's amazing, isn't it, that you've got Qantas, apparently late last week, putting flights for sale from June. Um, They're banking on this vaccination being made available. And look, that's their business. And Alan Joyce can run it any way he wants. Alan Joyce is on the record as saying that anybody who wants to fly in his aircraft will need to be vaccinated. Um, But yet we've got people arriving here in Australia carrying COVID-19 who are carrying the illness. Yes, of course, they go into quarantine. But some people slip through the cracks. Whether it's air crew, from airlines, whoever they are. We've got a new strain here at the moment. Where's it come from? Well I think it's originated from Sydney's International Airport. Ben, are you there? Good morning, Marcus. Welcome back. Thank you, Ben. Huge year ahead. Hey, did Elvo have a um, a camera in his
8: car? Oh mate, I don't know. A dash cam. That makes sense. Wouldn't all politicians have
1: dash cams in their car? Probably not. I think it's the responsible thing, taxpayer-funded. Well, no, it's not a taxpayer-funded car. Anthony Albanese is not afforded a taxpayer-funded car. He's an opposition leader. He's a private citizen, and he's dri- he was driving the <laughs> the family car, which happens to be a whatever it was, Toyota Camry or whatever.
8: But, yeah, that's fine. Okay, I'm wrong with that point. I, I want Albo driving an S-Class Benz. He deserves to be. The opposition leader should be riding in style. But that's
1: not Albo. Albo's not into S-class Benzers. Albo's... What suburb does he live in? In Marrickville.
8: In a cheap house, does he? I
1: don't. I don't know, Ben. Probably no, not. I
8: would, I would have thought he likes the finer things in life. Come on now.
1: Why? Why would? Why do? Why do people need to have the finer things in life? You can. You can be. You know, as poor as dirt, be but be as happy as Larry. Surely.
8: You can be as poor as dirt and blow your brains out as well because you've got nothing, mate. Most people who are poor are doing it hard. Hey, but um, no,
1: no, 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 no. That's rubbish. Most people who are poor, when you say doing it hard, are you talking about mentally? Are you talking about with their mental health?
8: I just, I just think of divorced women over 55, for example, or I think about elderly that can't afford to pay their power bills on the pension. They're doing it tough, mate. Their life's a misery.
1: Yeah, but how do you go from Anthony Albanese driving a non-European car in a supposedly cheap house at Marrickville to pensioners doing it tough? Well,
8: you asked, like, how are people, you know, dealing and struggling with stuff? But, um, yeah, I just wanted to know if there was a dash cam <laughs> in the car, because it'd be good to see the footage.
1: Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know you're pretty voyeuristic with your YouTube videos, uh, Betty Boy, but I, <laughs> hey, I don't know. I don't think so. And look, it doesn't matter. There were plenty well, happy, of witnesses. I'm happy he's bloody okay, though. Taylor. Well, but of well, course we I, are. I love
8: Albo. No, we don't wish death upon anybody, Marcus.
1: Well, no, absolutely not. Uh, but importantly, I would suggest that it doesn't matter who it was, whether even if it, if it was the Prime Minister, if it was anybody. uh The bloke down the road, of course, we would hope that they're okay. You know, whether it's the average Joe or the leader of the federal opposition, accidents are nasty and they take lives and it takes a little bit to get over them. Uh, And as we heard um, this morning, and I, you know, I believe him when he tells me because I've seen the footage, well, the footage of the aftermath and both Anthony Albanese and this 17-year-old young bloke that hit him are both very lucky to be alive. Email MP in the morning at 2 Supernetwork.com. Dan says, welcome back, Marcus. Uh, you're pretty, well, I can't think of the word, let's just say, pretty good for a leftish wing bloke and very knowledgeable. Regards, Dan. And then Wayne, Wayne Shaft. That's not your surname, Wayne. It can't be. Eh? Hey? Wayne Shaft says, Oh, look, Mr. Two Bob Each Way is on the airwaves again. What do you mean, Two Bob Each Way? Uh, Wayne, I think we need to give you the Shaft. Give me a call, Wayne, at SaturdayBet at gmail.com. I bet you that's fake as well. Uh, Les, good morning. How are you, mate? I'm Les. Les. Yes, Les. How are you, buddy? I'm good. But oh, not bad, Marcus. Good to hear you
5: back on the radio. Thank you. Have, I'm glad you had a good weekend, a holiday and all that. Yeah, a couple uh, of
1: weeks. Nice. <laughs>
5: I'm not mate, I'm only just ringing up. That guy rang you up earlier about his you know, his mate's dog having that COVID needle.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've heard anything more ridiculous in my life. There's no COVID yeah. vaccine for dogs. But, you know,
5: Marcus, I got a pup last December. Mm. Actually, I went to the vet and I was asked, did I want
1: to give my dog the COVID needle? The COVID so, needle? Yeah,
5: I was asked last November, uh, December, mm-hmm. when I bought the pup, I was asked
1: did I want to get, get her uh, done for it. The COVID so, needle? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. All right. one for dogs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. I'll need to speak to a vet. All right. Well, maybe, uh, maybe I've missed the email on this. Anyway, vets have been unable to procure the antidepressant drug Prozac for anxious dogs and cats amid a national shortage of the medication. The uh, Really? I didn't realise we gave dogs and cats Prozac. <laughs> Jesus. The Therapeutic Goods Administration has forecast a scarcity of Prozac, also known by the generic name floxatine. Uh, in some cases until December, due to an unexpected increase in demand. Vet Jeff Golovsky from Vet HQ in Sydney's Double Bay said in the past fortnight he'd been refused access to the drug, one of the most commonly prescribed drugs for anxiety and depression. It comes as doctors report an increase in patients reporting feelings of isolation, hopelessness, stress, anxiety and depression, since, of course, the coronavirus pandemic began... So, in other words, they're holding off on prescribing Prozac and other antidepressants to our animals because us humans need them more. I'm just going through this article. No, no mention of the COVID jab for the dog. Uh, All right, uh, Hugh, are you there, mate? Hugh? Good morning, Marcus. Morning, Hugh. Oh, oh,
5: I don't know what to say. You start, you start. What do you got to say?
1: Oh, Hugh, I've got plenty to say, but I'd rather hear what's on your mind. Tell me what's on your mind, Hugh. Oh,
5: my mind's a vacant allotment. The, haven't you heard the joke about, the, about, about the, y- y- uh, the, a, an Irishman was asked what a paddock full of Australians was, and he said it's a vacant allotment? Oh, that's not very nice. Well, we love the Irish. They're great musicians. Yes. We've got a lot of good musicians in Australia, Marcus.
1: Well, yes, we do.
5: Yeah, no, they've been great through, the, through everything we've been through. There's been some great music coming out.
1: Well, that's good. That's good,
5: mate. I, I, I watched a show on the weekend. It was, um, it was on NITV. Uh-huh. That, 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 those band hours, like they put it on like Rage... And they put the Aboriginal musicians on on NITV. I've seen Some them. Some of them are
1: excellent. Of course they are. They're very good. They're real rock and rollers. Well, yes, uh, but it's not just rock. They don't just play rock. The, the, uh, the, there was one one show I watched in
5: America. Yeah. And it was on NITV. I think it was either NITV or SBS, and it was about... Um, all, all the the band and and all the musicians that they had that were playing in the sixties and and 70s and how they learnt their their blues yeah. from grassroots guitar pickers down in the Mississippi delta
1: well, there you go. all right, that's been fascinating, Hugh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marg, are you there, darling, Marg? Oh, hi, Marcus. Welcome back. Thank you, Marg.
22: Um, I was just listening to uh, someone ringing up about the dogs and the
1: vaccine. The COVID uh, jab for dogs. Is that really what it's called?
22: No. When this first all started to come out and a bit more was, you know, we were starting to learn a bit more about it. They said that dogs couldn't catch it, but cats could.
1: Okay. Because I was
22: thinking, I was thinking at the time. I wonder what dogs have got that that blocks <laughs> it out. You know, and could they look at it that way to cure it? But I remember him saying it.
1: Well, I'll get my mate Scruff to look into it. Um, Justin's out there. He's he's frantically typing in COVID vaccine for puppy dogs in Google to do a search for us.
22: That's great. I couldn't believe when you said that, that dogs were on. Um, was it Prozac? Yeah. I
1: can't believe that. Uh, Well, some dogs suffer anxiety, and some dogs, you know, separation anxiety and all this sort of stuff. I get that, but I don't know. Oh yeah, but do we need to be uh, (laughs) giving Prozac to our fur babies? I would suggest not, Mark. It's a bit much, isn't it? Sounds a bit off to me, Marcus. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too, mate. Thank you for the call. Take (laughs) care. Bye bye. Uh, By the way, um, morning, Ash. She has a joke. Marcus, why was 2019 afraid of 2020? Because you doped they had a fight in 20. 21. Why
19: do lovers have
1: to leave? And forever, Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, Lawsy will be back a little later this month, uh, we're told. The world just after the Australia Day long weekends. Give me a call, let me know what's on your mind. Uh, we've got a stack of callers waiting online, which we'll get to after the news at 10 o'clock. I just wanted to... Uh, that's 10 o'clock New South Wales, daylight saving time, by the way. just wanted to cover this uh, because we took some callers on COVID in dogs. Now, COVID-19 has never been an exclusively human problem. Now, since the early days of the pandemic, scientists have been concerned about the impact of the virus responsible for COVID-19 on pets, livestock and wildlife. Cats and dogs can become infected and cats appear to transmit the coronavirus to other cats, at least in the lab An image shared online has wrongly suggested, though, that there is a vaccine for COVID-19 due to the existence of one for canine coronavirus. Canine coronavirus is not the current strain of COVID-19 affecting humans across the world. Okay. Now, the text accompanying an image says... There was a virus vaccine available back in 2001 and the text basically says, tell me why 19 years later they say there's no vaccine. (laughs) Well, there was 19 years ago a vaccine for COVID, not COVID-19, but a different strain of COVID in animals. There's a difference. News next.
0: Marcus Paul in the morning Filling in for John Laws I thank Marcus, he's a very good broadcaster Full stop, we love this industry We love what we're doing Marcus wouldn't mind doing a double at all Marcus Paul in the morning Call 13 12
1: 69 Uh, Yeah, for the next three weeks anyway Until Lawsie's back um, Look, India, two for 99 They're chasing 407 I don't think they'll get there They may, they may If they concentrate on playing cricket and not what people may or may not be calling out from the sideline I mean the disruption in play yesterday was just ridiculous Anyway 13 12 69 if you would like to have your say Marcus Paul in the morning Bob are you there Bob? Yeah mate Hello Bob what's on your mind mate?
20: I'm not talking to you Uh,
1: Ah believe so Marcus is that Marcus? Yes Bob
20: um, Marcus <laughs> I'd like to make a comment on um, The people coming in with the virus yes, well, Through
1: yeah. the
20: airport yep. Now isn't that, pri- isn't that Privately owned airport now
1: Well uh, Kind of yes
20: Are they weighing in To the cost Of the, all the um, Quarantine and everything of, the, of those people that come in that Well no virus?
1: Pe- people are paying for their own Quarantine now remember that
20: well, why is, why is a private company letting people into the country and the taxpayer has to fix up the bill for their health?
1: Well, that's a very good point. And that's why, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, that's why I believe we shouldn't have allowed anybody into the country at the moment, apart from returning Australians who needed to go into quarantine. I mean, I've got no problem with re- people who are Australian coming back from overseas. Many people that's, are still... N- neither do I, mate, But yeah. but... but... But, but, but the businessmen and, and the rest of
20: them that are coming in, the taxpayer have to pay for their quarantine, mate. Now, where, where's someone to ask the goddamn minister about this?
1: Well, see, that's not entirely true. A lot of people are paying for their own quarantine. But, look, I understand your point. I do understand your point. There have been a, lo- a number of exemptions for business people, for sporting teams, for a whole range of individuals... But average mum and dads, you know, just average Joe out there, who aren't. Yeah, well, yeah. the Aussies, the Aussies coming home, we pay, we look after it for ourselves, mate.
20: Yeah, the well, rest, yeah. the rest is all hidden away in, 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 in the grassy knoll, if you like to speak, so the people don't know that the taxpayers are paying for these others.
1: All right. Well, I'll take that as an opinion because I don't know. Uh, Exactly. Uh, who's paying for what. But my point is, why on earth have we allowed exemptions, whether it's for touring cricket teams or otherwise? I don't know. Some people say because the economy needs to roll on as India lose another wicket. There we go. I'm talking about it. Um, yes. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. India, by the way, three for 102 now with uh, Mr. Lyon, the Spin King at the SCG taking a... Uh, uh, a great week at Nathan Lyon. Are you there, Kim? My uh, Ken. Ken. Yes, mate. What did you want to say? Uh,
21: you had the, an email from some silly sausage called Wayne Shaft or something.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yes. I He's, think it was fake. Your yeah. real surname is Kerr. Yes, he probably is a Wayne Kerr, too. Yeah, he is, definitely. Take For, care, mate. All right. Great to have you back. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call, 13 12 69. Uh, now, Neil says, Marcus, it was strange tuning in this morning, turning on the radio to hear someone say there was a COVID vaccine for dogs. The internet has a lot to answer for. Well, they were kind of right in a way, Neil, but it's not the current strain, that, you know, this out of control strain that's killing millions of people across the world. Uh, the COVID-19 has never really been exclusively a human problem or COVID itself. Anyway, uh, just know that, yes, your fur baby cannot catch the strain that humans carry. And there is a vaccine that's been around apparently since 2001. And as to my earlier caller, I would suggest that perhaps... You know, some, I don't want to call them unscrupulous, but some crafty veterinarians are saying, would you like a COVID vaccine for your puppy dog, for your fur baby, so that they can pay them for the shot? That's what I suggest is going on. Uh, Because we have COVID-19 running rampant across the world at the moment, uh, perhaps veterinarians think it's important that people get their fur babies vaccinated against the canine strand of covid Look, maybe that makes perfect sense. I'm not sure. thirteen twelve sixty nine the telephone number if you want to send an email. MP in the morning at 2SM And the text line is open, by the way, 0458 049 209. That's Lawsy's normal text number, 0458 049 209. By the way, the team is back today. Brent Boltitude will join us after midday. Talking sport. Yep, the boys are back. No doubt they'll have a lot to say about whether or not we have a racism problem. As far as spectators are concerned at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, so if you want to have your say on that, by all means give me a call here, 13 12 69. But you can call Talking Sport to talk about the cricket and other issues sports wise. The Sabo. Uh, So it'll be good to have the guys back. Graham Gilbert also back tonight as well. I think he's on air after uh, 7 o'clock tonight here on the Super Radio Network. As most of us get back, Lawsy will be back after the Australia Day long weekend.
0: Australia's only contemporary news talk radio program. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: All right, this one from Thomas. G'day, Marcus. Welcome back to the Airwaves. I hope you had a really great holiday. I did, thank you, Thomas. Uh, Thomas says, why are workers in aged care and childminding centres singled out to be forced to have the COVID vaccine? Children could contract the virus anywhere. Uh, well, that's a, yeah, it's a good point. Although, you have to remember, we need to protect the most vulnerable, that is children, elderly people, So I don't have an issue with that. But anyway, uh, we're also planning never to allow those living in aged care homes to have visitors, because if not, then vaccinating the staff makes no difference whatsoever. Even vaccinated people will still be able to contract and spread the virus. I think everyone should have a choice of what they put into their bodies, no matter what they do. We should be able to choose how we keep ourselves and our families safe. Uh, Look, I don't agree with that. I really don't. And you're saying that so far the government's done an extremely bad job? No, I disagree with you on that as well. I think so far the Australian government, or to be more precise, the state governments have done a bloody good job here in Australia. I mean, we could be so worse off. Look what's happening. The thing's out of control in places like the United Kingdom and the United States of America. We're doing a heck of a lot better here in Australia than what they are overseas. I just think that's being a little unfair. Uh, And as for the vaccine, uh, yes, I'm I'm obviously not an anti-vaxxer and I agree that you should be able to choose what you put in or out of your body. However, if you're going to work with children and work with aged care, you'll need to have the COVID-19 vaccine. It's not that hard, is it, really? 13-12-69, Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Pam, good morning. Hello? Yes, Pam, how are you?
22: I just want to apologise to you for ringing you up five times this morning, trying to get onto Channel 79 tweet heads. Right. So I'm apologising to you. You answered the
1: phone. Wow. Uh, let's... Hey, oi fed out there. Let's not put callers like this through. I mean, really, there's nothing in that for the listener. Uh, boys, come on. We do a little better than this. 131269 is the telephone number. Now, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I want to catch up with Candy Bingham. Candy is the deputy mayor of the Northern Beaches Council. Now, the Northern Beaches, as we know, has been on lockdown. So how has the local community dealt with the lockdown? Of course, they've been allowed back out after yesterday. What has it done to the local economy? How will it be for, you know, those shop owners, retail or otherwise? And uh, is there a risk of another lockdown looming on the northern beaches? Let's hope not. Candy Bingham joining us in just a couple of moments to talk about the northern beaches cluster.
0: Australia's only contemporary news talk radio program. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: All right, residents on Sydney's northern beaches have returned to, well, their regular routines as much as they can after the area's lockdown was officially lifted at midnight. Now in the, uh, well, it's been three weeks roughly since the region first went into lockdown. Following a major outbreak in the area in December, as we know, it affected some 70,000 locals from north of the Narrabeen Bridge up to Palm Beach. Uh, And look, they have breathed a bit of a uh, a cautious sigh of relief since the stay-at-home orders were finally lifted. Uh, Yesterday, people were flocking to beaches, although, in fairness, they did stay fairly quiet in some areas still. I just wonder how uh, the local areas dealt with the situation, uh, whether local businesses continue to struggle, what kind of uh, hand up, if you like, has been provided by local authorities. Candy Bingham is the Deputy Mayor of the Northern Beaches Council. Good morning, Candy.
23: Hello, Marcus. It's
1: great to talk to you. Uh, Welcome out of lockdown. (laughs) I suppose (laughs) it would be a relief for your constituents there, 70-odd thousand people.
23: Well, that's right. Well, what people forget, of course, is the Northern Beaches actually runs from the Spit Bridge Mm. all the way through um, Palm Beach. So our poor old residents in in Avalon have been doing it really tough because that's where the cluster started. Of course. But what's been good, it's been pretty well contained to that area. And the other thing that's been so impressive is the number of people who got tested. It was phenomenal. I think we broke all records on one day with 68,000. Oh, there people was a massive tested.
1: spike, yes. There was a massive spike in, in people seeking to get tested, and you're right, uh, records were set, and that's how you know contact tracers were able to do their job and, and get this thing under control.
23: That's right, and I, I do believe it's under control. I think that the New South Wales, Wales government
1: did an amazing job,
23: um, and, of course, the residents were, were just fantastic because they did follow the rules, and so people did stay at home which unfortunately affected our businesses majorly. I mean, as, as you'll appreciate, this is um, the busiest time of year for peak, us. Peak period, and of yes. And everything was shut. So all our, all our surf shops, all our coffee shops, um, you know, the, the tourist industry pretty well didn't exist. So Council's done everything it can um, to support the local businesses. But at the end of the day, we really need support from state and federal to get these businesses through. And that's what we're looking for.
1: All right. Well, if you were to speak to the Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, she's back from her leave, what would you say to her today?
23: Well, first of all, I'd say thank you for doing such a fantastic job. (laughs) She does an amazing job. Um, One of the things they are doing, which is good, our Mayor has worked very, very hard, and um, the... The vouchers, the dining vouchers, which the government has announced, the New South Wales government has announced. Yes. The Northern Beaches will be one of the first areas to be trialled using that. So that yeah. would be fantastic. Um, but also the federal government. I mean, there's concerns that um, JobKeeper and job seeker those payments have been cut quite dramatically now. Yes. Just when so many businesses really need them. The council's done a lot of work in helping people get access to funding. Uh, we've reduced a lot of our fees during this time we've allowed businesses to extend further out onto the footpaths and things yes. like that. And that's helped a lot. Um so I guess it's what's challenging is, you know, people we want we want visitors to come and visit us, but we're also a little bit cautious too, because I mean the western suburbs is facing a similar situation to what we had and having worked so hard to clean up the northern beaches and make sure that we're virus free. Mm-hmm. Um we're a little bit nervous now about people coming to visit us, but we need them to because we need the support for our businesses.
1: Well, that's the catch-22, isn't it? I mean, it'd that be is. great to see, um, you know, on uh, the weather's fantastic right at this moment. Uh, you've had empty streets, but you need your eateries to fill up in a COVID-safe manner over the coming days and weeks and months as we, you know, as we see out summer and autumn. You might
23: remember too, Marcus, that we were chatting before Christmas about saving the Manly ferry. That's right. And, of course, we had our um, community campaign all ready to go and then everybody got locked down and Mm. (laughs) the ferries were empty because nobody was coming. But, of course, now it's perfectly safe to come to Manly because Manly wasn't affected in any way. No. Um, Avalon is 30Ks from us here in Manly. Mm -hmm. So we're ramping things up again. Um, We've got over 9,000 signatures on our petition for the New South Wales Parliament. Yep. But we need 20,000, so I'm really counting on your listeners to support us in getting those extra signatures. We have to save our beautiful heritage ferries.
1: Well, that's right. Uh, just for those listening elsewhere around Australia that are unsure about what's happening here, the iconic Manly Ferry, which is the freshwater series ferries that we currently have, the, the beautiful freshwater itself, and Coleroy and others, they're at risk from the state government who want to replace them with smaller craft, which... Let's be honest, probably aren't fit for purpose, in my opinion, and according to other experts. Uh, but, He's not there. But the, the bigger issue, of course, here is that we don't want to lose more icons of Australia. We don't want to lose the heritage of these ferries. And you've been campaigning hard for the state government to hold on to how many of them?
23: Well, we think we need all four. There are okay. four
1: at the moment, yes. and the reason why you need four is
23: because they run every thirty minutes, and you need you need at least three
2: yep. to
23: maintain a thirty-minute service. Right. And of course, in in the summer period, the fourth one when they're running every twenty minutes, and of course they have to be serviced, so you need that spare one to help during the service. But you know, we both know what a what a tourist icon. And here we are, we're trying to encourage tourists to come back to Manly, to come back to Sydney. Hmm. Let's get rid of one of our major tourist attractions. Well, let's not. It just doesn't
1: make sense. Are you speaking to Andrew Constance about this?
23: Yes, well, the Mayor did meet with Andrew Constance and um, didn't get a very good hearing, I don't think. So that's why it's really up to us as a community. If we can get 20,000 signatures, Marcus, on this New South Wales petition, then it has to be debated in Parliament. And see, there's been no debate. There's been no discussion. There isn't even a business plan. It's just the Minister who's made this this decision and uh, we can't get access to any reason why... We can't get access to any information as to what his reasoning is other than saving a few dollars Um, with no consideration of what it's worth to the tourist industry.
1: Well, yeah, and you and I have discussed before, I mean, how much are these iconic ferries worth to the tourism industry? Probably a hell of a lot more. All right. Uh, so let's let's keep the pressure up. Where do people go uh, just on the issue of the ferries uh, if they want to sign this petition? Well, look, I think just the simplest place mm. is if you hope, hopefully your listeners have
23: got a pen. It's quite easy. Yeah. The website is goodformanly one word. Yep. goodformanlycomau au forward slash ferries, and that will take you a direct link to the petition. All right.
1: Good for manly. Dot com dot au forward slash, oh, good for manly, just repeat it again, I'm sorry. It's good for manly, one word, dot
23: com dot au forward slash fairies.
14: Okay. Okay.
1: Candy, it's always good to chat with you on the program. Let's catch up soon. Good luck to all the businesses on the Northern Beaches. Travel to Manly. Be COVID safe in the manner that you do so. When you get there, follow the rules. Use the QR codes on your phone or sign yourself in. Get back and support these local businesses on the Northern Beaches who've done it tough during lockdown.
23: Great. Thanks so much, Marcus.
1: My pleasure. You. Bye-bye. There she is, Candy Bingham, who is the Deputy Mayor of the Northern Beaches Council of Sydney. Alright, welcome back. Uh, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Mick, are you there, mate? I am, mate. Welcome back. Thanks, Mick. Appreciate it. What did you want to chat about?
24: Mate, I want to remind you of something that a wise man like me said well, months and months ago. We had, my family had no trouble at all getting back from Europe and North America in March and April. No problem, you just booked a flight and you came home. We had this virus beat in June and July.
1: Yes, we did. We had
24: it completely knocked over. Yeah. And yet, we kept trying to import it into a a quarantine system that we all knew wasn't working. It had holes in it. You had to get the people from the aeroplane to the hotel. They came in contact with so many people along the way, customs, bus drivers, cleaners. We knew it had holes all in it. Yet we kept doing it. And recently, I've read some of the lame duck people are giving to DFAT as to why they're still over there. Things like, I had a good job. I just wanted to wait and see where this went. My kids were in school. All this pain and suffering that Australians are going through now is through these people who made financial or fund decisions to stay overseas. Why are we just leaving them there, Marcus? Really? Look what the country's going through.
1: Well, that's a very good point. I don't know. All I know is that the... Taxpayers of this wonderful country of ours are about to spend a further $75 million on uh, uh, some sort of publicity campaign by the federal government telling us all what a wonderful job Scott Morrison has done on beating this pandemic. That's a story We
24: we have done a good job in many ways. People say to me, oh, it's it's airborne. Covering your hands doesn't do this. Doing that doesn't do it. When you put it all together, Mm. all the precautions we're taking, the Q codes the covering your face, the distancing. When you put it all together, we can see it worked. Because we cut, we cut it out in Australia. We had rid of it. Now, if people were genuinely stuck over there, we've got places we can put them, you know. We've got refugee camps. They were good enough for Syrian children and Iranian children. So why aren't they good enough for Australian citizens to go into for a month or two? Yeah,
1: really good point. Good point, mate. All right, mate. Thanks. and Ma- hey, Marcus, great to have you back. Thank Thanks, now he's out there somewhere. Thanks, buddy. All the best. Talk soon. Good on you. Bye-bye. Shirley, good morning. Hello. Yes, Shirley, how are you? Um, not real good with all the
25: news that comes across, but I listen in every night to whoever's on.
1: Okay, Shirley, yes.
25: Um, In my day... Uh, Every Saturday, the fire brigade hosed down our footpaths and gutters. Yeah. And if there was a riot, the fire brigade hosed all the people.
1: Well, that's. When, you say, and where, they on, when never you say came back again Yeah, when you say back in your day, how how long ago are you talking about, Shirley? Well,
25: I'm ninety four but still got a brain, Marcus.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you have. You sound like a very sprightly ninety four year old Well, There's you. a couple of
25: people I'd like to hit in the mouth <gasps> because of their language.
1: Yes, that's not very But
25: I know I'd be the one that'd go to jail.
1: Yes. So, so, who are you upset about mostly, Shirley?
25: Um, oh, family.
1: You're upset with your family? Yes. Oh, why is that? Well, no, don't go into too much no, detail.
25: No, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. I handle myself. I handle all my finances. Good I, girl. I have a carer once a week. Yes. And I manage all right. Good. But I just listen to all of the garbage (laughs) these people say, you know, do this, do that. But you've got to keep your streets clean too. You can't keep your house clean and then go out into a filthy street where everybody's been spitting. Yeah. And I don't care what anyone says. Mm -hmm. Little children wet in the gutters.
1: Dear oh dear.
25: Yes. Yes. So why aren't they cleaning them at least once a week?
1: Uh, Maybe. Try
25: and get rid of all of this rubbish. (laughs)
1: Maybe because we've had some uh, water shortages, we don't now. Of course, Borragamba Dam in Sydney, in particular, is almost over full. Uh, but uh, I take the point. Um, thank you, Shirley. I think thirteen twelve sixty nine the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Uh, by the way, uh, I see that Arnie Arnold Schwarzenegger is making headlines. He's had a bit of a rant. Uh, it's very good. We'll put the uh, the video up on our social media page. Just follow us on social media, hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. Here's a little of what Arnold had to say. As an immigrant
26: to this country, I would like to say a few words to my fellow Americans and to our friends around the world about the events of recent days. Now, I grew up in Austria. I'm very aware of Kristallnacht, or the night of broken glass. It was a night of rampage against the Jews carried out in 1938 by the Nazi equivalent of the Proud Boys. Wednesday was the day of broken glass right here in the United States. The broken glass was in the windows of the United States Capitol. But the mob did not just shatter the windows of the Capitol. They shattered the ideals we took for granted. They did not just break down the doors of the building that housed the American democracy, they trampled the very principles on which our country was founded. I grew up in the ruins of a country that suffered the loss of its democracy. I was born in 1947, two years after the Second World War. Growing up, I was surrounded by broken men drinking away their guilt over their participation in the most evil regime in history. Not all of them were rabid anti-Semites or Nazis, Many just went along, step by step, down the road. There were the people next door. Now, I've never shared this so publicly because it is a painful memory. But my father would come home drunk once or twice a week and he would scream and hit us and scare my mother. I did not hold him totally responsible because our neighbor was doing the same thing to his family. And so was the next neighbor over. I heard it with my own ears and saw it with my own eyes. They were in physical pain from the shrapnel in their bodies and in emotional pain from what they saw or did. It all started with lies and lies and lies and intolerance. So being from Europe, I have seen firsthand how things can spin out of control. I know there is a fear in this country and all over the world that something like this could happen right here. Now, I do not believe it is, but I do believe that we must be aware of the dire consequences of selfishness and cynicism. President Trump sought to overturn the results of an election and of a fair election. He sought a coup by misleading people with lies. My father and our neighbors were misled also with lies, and I know where such lies lead. President Trump is a failed leader. He will go down in history as the worst president ever. The good thing is that he soon will be as irrelevant as an old tweet. But what are we to make of those elected officials who have enabled his lies and his treachery? I will remind them of what Teddy Roosevelt said. Patriotism means to stand by the country. It does not mean to stand by the president.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. Um, It's making uh, international headlines today. Wow. Uh, Very passionate. I don't think I agree with a lot of it, with all all of it, but um, parts of it I do. (laughs) What did you make of it? Have you seen the video? It goes on and on and on. That's just a shortened version of it. Arnold, he sounds the same as he does in all of his movies, doesn't he? By the way, uh, just some detail on this story that I mentioned to a caller a few moments ago about the the federal government going on a, a bit of an advertising blitz. The Morrison government has unleashed a $75 million advertising blitz paid for by the taxpayer The Australian writes that the messaging splurge will spruik federal programs for vaccines, tax cuts, skills training, wage subsidies, mental health, domestic violence, infrastructure and safe travel. A $23.9 million public information blockbuster for COVID-19 vaccines will run ahead of the immunisation rollout, which is expected to begin in March. Health officials say the campaign could use high-profile Australians for the reach necessary to achieve broad uptake of vaccines. Five former Prime Ministers, including John Howard and Julia Gillard, have vowed to get vaccinated in public as soon as the vaccine is available. The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, the Opposition Leader, Anthony Albanese, have both said that they would happily be vaccinated in public. Well, what do you make of it? Are you happy with that sort of money being spent to promote, if you like, a COVID recovery? Are you happy that we're paying for it, us taxpayers? Well, who else will pay for it, I guess? One Nation, um, some parts of the federal opposition are calling it another marketing and promotional stunt by Scott Morrison. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, we do need to know information. Absolutely, we do, Uh, and the government needs to get it out there. They need to tell people what they need to do, and I suppose they need to let them know if there are training facilities available to upskill and what tax cuts will be available for you, if any. Uh, Domestic violence support, safe travel arrangements. I guess most people might walk at taxpayer funds being spent to spruik the vaccine. What do you make of it? 75 million bucks worth. That's the taxpayer funded summer advertising blitz coming to a television screen or radio near you soon.
0: From Sydney to the Sunshine Coast. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now, 13 12
1: 69. All right, um, an email here, MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. It's from Paul regarding the Northern Beaches. G'day, Marcus. Well, if the Deputy Mayor wants people to go and enjoy the Northern Beaches, why do they make uh, parking so expensive? It needs to be more reasonable. I'd go more often if it wasn't $10 an hour to park. Well, that's true, isn't it? Very, very expensive in some areas of Sydney to park. And that's hardly inviting uh, tourists or out-of-towners or even local residents. Yeah, if you want to have you say, 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Uh, now, spare a thought for grape growers facing millions of dollars in losses because of a labour shortage crisis sparked by fear among seasonal workers. Why is this an issue? Well, the grape pickers are worried that they could get stuck on the wrong side of the border. The wrong side of the New South Wales Victorian border, that is. A snap decision by the Victorian government to shut its border to New South Wales caused pickers to flee back to Victoria before the 11.59pm deadline on January the 1st. Why on earth we don't have uh, the premiers speaking to their environment ministers and their agriculture ministers on this issue, I'll never know. I'll never know. It just seems that all these decisions are made in an instant, a snap decision like this, without putting other measures in place. After months of concern over a 26,000... And we've been hearing it for months, have we not? Surely, surely there's enough bloody politicians and enough people that work for the government, bureaucrats, that could have put some sort of plan together to ensure that we had enough seasonal workers either side of the bloody border. It's ridiculous. How is it we have months of concern over a 26,000-person shortage of critical labour required to pick fruit, caused by international border closures, now shutting domestic borders? which is causing headaches for the industry. I don't understand. I mean, don't we have... What's the Environment Minister? What's the Agricultural Minister of New South Wales? What are are you people doing there in Macquarie Street? Is everybody asleep? For God's sake. I mean, Menindee table grape grower Stephen House lost all his workers overnight in the middle of his annual harvest. He was forced to leave grapes to rot on the vine with a third of the grapes spoiled by sunburn from being left too long. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. This bloke is losing $30,000 a day. He said, when they closed the border, all of our workers packed up and went home. We were frantically ringing everyone around trying to get some workers back. The workers are scared that when they come out here, they'll have to isolate when they get back to Victoria. Why isn't any bureaucrat, and there are thousands of them, why isn't any bureaucrat putting some plan together to look after our agricultural industry during this pandemic? You're all paid enough. Why is it that average Australian working mums and dad farmers have to suffer because of your bloody incompetence. Get it together. You're very quick fighting people. You're very quick clamping down on everything and shutting it and telling everybody to wear a mask and that's all fine. How are you supporting local businesses in the agricultural sector down there on the border? By the sounds of it, you're doing sweet FA. You there, Brad? Yeah, hey Marcus, how are you going? All right, Brad, what's on your mind?
10: I just thought I'd give you an answer to your question in regards to the bureaucrats and politicians.
1: Well, what are Um, they doing? What are they doing to support grape pickers and farmers on the border? Nothing.
10: Marcus, the issue is none of them have run business before, or very few of them have. And they live in another world. It's as simple as that. Whether you... It's not being... I'm not being smart. They live on another planet when it comes to... They're not on the ground... They mix with one another. They, they, and and they don't. I bet the majority of them wouldn't be able to run a business. It's as simple as that. And the system's wrong.
1: We have, and I've listened to
10: Talkback Radio for thirty years. Yep. And the majority of what you hear on Talkback Radio Mm. are the issues with our governments and our politicians. And you hear it again and again and again, the same thing repeated, and nothing or very little gets fixed.
1: Well, and what if is it was private yeah, enterprise? Right, hang on a sec. Hang on you a sec.
10: Fix it in five minutes.
1: Well, yes, because it's somebody else's money and somebody's taking the risk. It's not taxpayer money, which they think they can just turn it on and off like a tap, which they do anyway. I don't understand, Brad. Adam Marshall. All right, he's supposed to be looking after regional New South Wales. He's the uh, Minister for Agriculture. As we know, (laughs) agricultural land is in regional New South Wales. What on earth is is he doing? What have they done to support agricultural growers and businesses, farmers and others on the border during this kind of lockdown scenario? What plans did they put in place? Nothing by the sounds of it.
10: It's not their money. Um, so therefore, they have no vested financial interest in it. They know they're going to get paid next week. They know they're going to get their super. They know they've got a job for the next upteen years. So why would they care?
1: Well, 50- he, Adam Marshall should care, mate. He's a bloody national. I mean, he's the Minister for Agriculture and also the Minister for Western New South Wales. Here we go. Member for Northern Tablelands, this bloke. I mean, if you go on his website here, since being elected as the member for the Northern Tablelands and becoming the state's youngest MP, Adam Marshall has worked hard to bring a renewed focus on the potential of the area, in particular for the younger generations vital to its future, blah, 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 blah. (sighs) What are you doing? Mr. Marshall, what is your office doing? What are the highly paid bureaucrats doing to support grape growers and other industries affected by border closures this time round? It's not as if it's the first time. It's not the first lockdown we've had. Why are we still hearing here in Sydney that grapes and other fruits is rotting on a vine? because the owners of the businesses, the growers can't get workers. The reason they can't get workers is because each and each different bloody premier on a whim decides to close borders. I mean it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. These people, Adam of Marshall, the bureaucrats and others, get paid enough money to ensure that people are there to pick fruits when required. So that's why there should be uh, things in place that ensure that workers can move freely between Albury and Wodonga and other places around our borders where it's vital for our agricultural industry. Why have they not done this? Why have they been asleep at the wheel again and again and again? And we've got a national party here in New South Wales that really has no idea about the bush. And it's left to others, independents, shooters, fishers and farmers and everybody else to try and pick up the slack. Poor Helen Dalton. Adam, maybe focus on what's happening in these regions rather than trying to block things that Helen Dalton puts up, like, I don't know, water registries. Because it's pretty clear you're doing a terrible job at the moment looking after agricultural industries on the border. They haven't got people to pick their fruit. 13 12 69, the telephone number...
0: Australia's only contemporary news talk radio programme. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: All right, welcome back, 13 12 69. Uh, for my Sydney listeners, we had a little issue with our weather there, um, but it'll be hot. Okay, 28 degrees for the city, mostly fine and sunny, and a top of 31 degrees out west for Sydney today. All right. <laughs> Back to the open line, thirteen twelve sixty nine. Graham, good morning. How are you?
27: Good. Marcus, how are you? Tonight? All right,
1: thanks, Graham. What's on
27: your mind, mate? Um, I'm just going back to that, that advertising campaign where it cost millions and millions of dollars. Well,
1: they're about to launch a seventy five million dollar taxpayer funded advertising blitz on COVID. I think some of it is warranted. Um, you yeah. know, people need to know information, I get that, so long as it's not too political, I guess.
27: Well, the thing that gets me is, OK, I've never built a house, but if you build a house, it probably costs you a couple hundred thousand dollars.
1: At least. More, yeah.
27: Yeah, yeah more. Probably 300000 Yeah. You build a classroom, it's for the government, it's going to cost you $3 million.
2: Well, that's a problem.
27: So? Yes. Well, Why what, don't they have anyone in Parliament and that... That turns up and says, "Hey, wait a minute! That quote's a bit high." Yeah, mm. <laughs> it just annoys me when they, when you ever talk about um, government contracts, you're talking in millions.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, you are. You speak to any builder, any construction yeah. worker, um, anyone involved in the bricklaying, plastering. Uh, Chippy Industries, yeah. I'll tell you, they love the government contracts because they pay very well.
27: Yeah, and it just annoys me. Don't, Isn't there anyone smart enough in there and going, hey, wait a minute, that's a bit high. Let's go and get another quote off some other guy.
1: Well, you'd think it's so, just, but I don't know.
27: Yeah, it just annoys the hell out of me every time I hear government contracts and they're talking mediums well, where they, they don't have to.
1: Probably not, so long as it's still fit for purpose, and we're not, you know, uh, we're not. I don't like the idea of things being built on the cheap with taxpayer funds, but I also don't no, like no, the no, idea no. of largesse no. and, and waste of money. Yeah, absolutely,
27: waste of money. It's 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 not their money, so they just take the first quote, do they? Or they just go. Well, oh, they're, they're not yeah, supposed yeah, to. Nah, to
1: run. They're not supposed to. They're supposed to be an even, fair tendering process for for procurement. In place, unfortunately, it doesn't happen all that often. Well, that's probably a little unfair. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Just ask the current New South Wales state government.
0: From Taree to the Tweed, get,
1: get, 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 get
0: you're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now thirteen twelve sixty nine.
1: All right, are you there, Debbie? Yes. Yeah. Morning, Debbie. Good morning, Marcus. How are you? <laughs>
28: Yeah, um, look, Marcus, I'd just like to um, comment on um, uh, a, a, an email you had about an hour ago um, criticising um, Brent Bultitude about his uh, right-wing views.
1: No, there was no email criticising Brent. Um, I think it was somebody else, Dean. Oh, it was somebody. Yep, yep.
28: Yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, anyway um, look, it's always the left-wing people that want to shout... Um, you know the free thinkers down. I mean, you, you just got to think of the ABC. I mean, you've got you know a huge um, uh, organisation, government-funded organisation there that does nothing but spruik left-wing ideologies, and no, you don't hear anybody criticising them.
1: Well, uh, well, that's not true, Debbie. There's plenty yeah, well, of very few. No, 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 that's not true at all. Some of the, lu- the loudest mouthpieces in this country, Alan Jones, um, Andrew Boltz, should I go on, the biggest selling newspaper in the country, uh, News Corp, I mean, they, they've made a, a sport out of bashing the ABC. Uh,
28: yes, well, uh, well, yeah, that, that, that's true. Um, I think it's all balanced, anyway, look, to be um, honest. I, I really feel, uh, you know, just talking about Donald Trump, just very briefly, Yeah, sure. I think he's been demonised. Uh, victimized um, they're not they're just not happy with kicking him out they just want to destroy the man and and I really do feel like that uh, the us elections were fraudulent I'm quite convinced about that I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person um, the uh, the man's been persecuted and um, very um, distortedly represented.
1: Do you think that he will be... uh, Well, some people are saying, I I tend to agree with this. I I just... Look, I don't agree that um, the election was was fraudulent in any way, shape or form. I believe that Donald Trump was always going to be a a one-term president. But anyway, leaving that aside, I think uh, the calls to impeach him are uh, just going to further divide the united states and cause more problems why don't we just let this bloke leave uh, leave with dignity and let's just get on with things if well they they want to destroy him yeah. they are not happy with with
28: making um you know with with winning the election they want to destroy that man and um and that nancy pelosi is is quite vicious i find her a very vicious person
1: all right Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Have a great day, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Daryl, good morning. How are you? Hello. Yes, Daryl. G'day, mate. How you going? Good, thank Uh, you.
29: That's good. Oh, The guy that was talking about the government contract. Yeah. Well, most of them waste the money is when they give them to these overseas companies at a cheaper price than the Australian company, which is more expensive. And you get a quality job and
1: Ferries that go under bridges and trains that fit in tunnels. Well, that's true too. I mean, uh, we've criticised at length the New South Wales State Government for uh, the procurement of trains and ferries, which some argue aren't fit for purpose. Um, Surely we can do a much better job than that. Uh, Look, I would prefer that all of our infrastructure, whether it's trains, ferries, whatever it is we're building, are made here in Australia. We have the facilities to do it and we can do it. We have done it very well in the past and there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do it in the future. I'm, I'm happy with the money staying here in the country employing Australians. But you're right, uh, if they, you know, they try and look for a cheaper deal with an overseas um, builder, if you like. I mean, there are some things we can't do, but things like trains and buses and ferries, I mean, for goodness sake. Why can't we you're just still, build them here? Are you still there, Marcus? Yes, mate.
29: Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. And if you've got only Australian companies competing for those vendors, mm. you should be getting fair good prices and a quality product.
1: Well, absolutely.
29: And you know what I mean? Then you can't say, well, the Australian companies have ripping you off. you had five Australian companies pricing, well, they're, not, they're going to be chasing a job, aren't mm. they? They're, not, uh, they're going to be given a fair dink of price, I think. Yep, well said. Or the way they see, the way they see it. I quote jobs too. Everyone looks at jobs differently.
1: Well, that's know? true. That's true. So long as there's not larges, yes, so long as it's not given to political parties' donors and there's no favouritism shown, we'd like uh, the procurement of government contracts to be, uh, first and foremost, value for money. Secondly, that, you know, they get... I mean, there's... I don't know, I I just, I don't mind if we spend a few extra dollars on building things, if the money's going to be re-spent and recirculated into our economy, that's fine,
29: you know, if you that's want to... That's right, yeah. that's true mate, yeah. and that's where if there's smaller contracts, like that guy was probably talking about, you know, school jobs and maybe a few roads here and there, well... You know, if they're paying a bit over the odds to an Australian company, well, if they're paying Australian workers, it's going back to the economy. So what's the matter at the end of the day? Well, that's true. you get a
1: good job. Well, that's true. Uh, Very true. And that's important. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, Howard. Good morning, Howard. How are you? Good. uh, Marcus? Excellent. Howard, what's on your mind? I'm ringing up about, you're talking about a waste of
12: money and, and, and everything like that. Yeah. What about the $30 million that that... Paluga from down at Wagga Wagga <laughs> got a, a million dollars for the sale, so he paid twenty five million dollars for a block of land, thirty million dollars for a block of land that's worth five million.
1: You're talking about out there in the uh, the Golden Triangle of Leppington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I don't know whether... Let's just backtrack for a second. I don't know whether... Uh, uh, if you're referring to Darrell Maguire, just be a little careful. I don't know whether he actually benefited from that because... The, the No, he didn't. Because the money that was spent on procuring this land out there at Leppington was federal government money. So that's where we need to be a little bit careful. Uh, I
4: thought he was a state no, I'm led to believe that he was supposed to be the go-between man.
1: Uh no. Well, no, not for that block. Um, just got to be a little careful here because I don't want to yeah. get sued and I don't want the boss to get sued. But right, eh, right, eh. And uh, but
12: but. Uh, and I won't, won't mention his name again. But what right. about what about the uh, the paying thirty million for something that's valued at uh, five million.
1: Well, that's right. This is yeah, where we paid 10 times more than the land was actually valued at. They didn't get a proper valuation. And then we have the currents. can you believe it, the current acting Prime Minister and Richard McCormick turning around and trying to justify it by saying, oh, in the long run, it'll be a great investment. He's the acting Prime Minister of Australia, mind you. Paul, good morning. Are you there? Uh, hello, Marcus. G'day, Paul. How are you? That's John speaking, Marcus. Oh, it's it's John.
15: All right, John.
1: Uh, what can yeah, I do your for you?
15: System's are playing up, mate. There, I've had to ring back three times now. All right, and um, something going on. Okay. But uh, anyway, your technicians will figure that out. Uh, look, I just rang about uh, the uh, dire straits that some of the farmers are in with their fruit-picking situation and millions of dollars' worth of good fruit, Mm. uh, you know, going into the ground. Yeah. I think there'd be an opportunity there for the government to step in and uh, think about allowing some prisoners in uh, correction centres or prisons uh, that are in for minor offences, non-violent offenders, to go to some of these fruit-picking places and um, get a, re- a slight reduction on their sentence for helping the farmers out, and also get a small amount of um, money paid into their. Oh, I don't know. I suppose they have some sort of bank account thing. Uh, the prisoners, where they have to buy toasters and sandwich makers, things like yeah, that, and, yep. uh, and 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 um, and because uh, there must be a, a lot of. Uh, a lot of people in, in prisons, men and women, that are in for, you know, driving offences and non-violent stuff. I you know what you're saying.
1: Um, what about uh, going one step further? What about working to earn your doll or, you know, job seeker payments? Um, surely. Yeah, well, you
15: know, yeah, they've tried that, Marcus. No one will take up on it, mate. That's well, the trouble.
1: the problem is you need to make them take it up. If you live in that area... Uh, you need to do community service, otherwise you don't get your job seeker payments.
15: Yeah, yeah, I go along with that. You know, work uh, for just, the dole. Yeah, yeah, just as an option though. If, they, yeah. if that won't work, think about letting some uh, uh, some prisoners go out there that are you know not violent people. They're in for minor offences. Yeah, and, well, well said. And they, and that they would love to get out of the uh, out of the prison and. Um, Earn a few, and a few bob and some time off their uh,
1: off their sentence. Well, that's right. I mean, I know where I'd rather be rather than locked away in a you know a cell um, for whatever many hours per day uh, out in the fresh air in the sunshine picking fruit. Yeah, it's look, it's probably quite hard work. It'd be thirsty work, but you'd be looked after. Um, you'd earn some money. <laughs> And you'd be out of uh, the prison environment for, you know, for eight, ten hours a day. No, no, that's a good idea. Appreciate the call. Thank you. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. OK, back with more of your calls in just a couple of moments. We've got some emails here as well. MP in the morning at 2SM com. I've got a stack of those coming through, which I'll get to as well.
0: Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au.
1: All right. Uh, Dan Donaldson has sent me an email. I love these emails. Uh, MP in the morning at 2 com. Dan, uh, his subject is POTUS, uh, the outgoing president of the United States, obviously. You know that I know, Mark... It's Marcus, but anyway, good try, Dan. Mark, you are a weak little man, cowering behind that mic, selling your soul for the globalists and the CIA who write your talking points. And with the extra S's on the end, he's put dollar signs. <laughs> I love it. Righto, Dan. Dan. Uh, What's the time? Uh, I don't know where where you're emailing from, Dan, but I know it's getting close to midday in some areas of the country. It's getting very hot. You need to get out of the sun. It is starting to melt that tin on your tiny brain. All right, Annie from Villawood's a little nicer. G'day, Marcus. Talkback Radio's been extremely interesting lately on 2SM with presenters filling in for others on a break. Dean Mackin stands out for me because I've learnt so much in the three weeks that he's been on air and the listeners he attracts. Like yourself and Brent, I've tried not to miss his show. The media only tells us what they want us to know, whether it's true or not, so this forum is where many of us go to hear the truth and all points of view. I love your show and... Know that my point of view won't be dismissed, whether you agree with it or not. So great to have you back. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Annie, from Villawood. Uh, By the way, Brent is back. Uh, Brent bouldered back this afternoon after midday. Uh, And Dean, well, I think Dean's back on the weekend. All right. Thank you very much for those emails. I've got a couple more that I'll get to in just a few moments as well for you.
0: You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now, 13 12
1: 69. All right. Are you there, Mick? No, Mick's gone and got engaged. I didn't even get an invite, did you?
22: Marie, good morning. Good morning. I trust you enjoyed your
1: break. Oh, I did. It's Marie from the Shire. I did thank you, Marie. Um, Sadly, I couldn't get up to see Dad, but I'm hoping that the borders again will open without me needing to go into quarantine and I'll be able to get up there as soon as I can, Marie.
22: Well, your voice is in fine form, and hello to all the listeners. My comment, rather quickly... Yeah. Whether we like it or not, America have always been our colleagues. Donald Trump is no longer the prime minister, the president. However, with the oncoming prime minister, uh, president that's there now, if he was worth his salt, he wouldn't be sniping at Donald Trump. He'd be getting on with bringing America together again. They're in big trouble. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I look, I just want to see a peaceful transfer of power it has to happen i don't think that donald trump needs to be impeached i worry that all that will do is further divide a nation that's already in a tinderbox if you like we saw what happened last week marie we don't want to see any repeats of any of this marcus
22: before you go i yeah. think the president that they have there at the moment he'll be pushed off the seat sooner than you can say i don't know what before the assistant lady behind him there she can't wait She's biting at the bit to get there. And I think we've got to forget the past and get on with building America back. They are our allies and we don't need any enemies. And we've seen the law of the jungle that took place, not just last time, the time before. And there was a bit of a copy of it here where they were smashing statues and flags. We
1: don't want any of that rubbish.
22: No, we don't. And thank you for your time, Marcus.
1: Have a great day. Thank you, Marie. Always great to hear from Marie. Now, on the text... Zero four five eight two four oh four nine two zero nine. I got a couple coming through. Uh, here we go. Can you try and get Adam Marshall on the radio, please, from Dave the Grape Grower? I oh, will. We'll try. We'll see if we can speak to the uh, the minister in charge of agriculture and see what they're doing. I mean, look. In fairness, Adam Marshall can't do a lot about the border closing on the Victorian side of things. So. Uh, it is a bit hard to do anything in New South Wales when Victoria don't consult on the closures either. And that comes to my other couple of texts that have come through. Marcus, the real issue here is that federalism is broken. The bloody states aren't talking to each other. There's no consultation going on between... Well, we know. (laughs) We can have a look at Anastasia Palaszczuk and Gladys Berejiklian for a start. The women don't get on. They don't talk to each other. The problem is COVID-19 has become a political po- football being kicked around by everybody from the Prime Minister down. And that's a shame because the people who end up losing the most out of it are you and me and ordinary Australian taxpayers. righty, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Chris, good morning. How are you?
30: Good morning. Hello, Chris. Hi, look, I just wanted to, um, my husband did his Masters in American elections, and I think one of the things that we as Australians and even some Americans don't understand is there's two votes in an American election. There's a popularity vote, and then there's the college vote.
1: That's right, yep.
30: So with the popularity vote, yes, um... In the last election Hillary Clinton won that but didn't win the college vote and it's the same this time. Trump won the popularity
2: yeah
30: but he didn't win the college and it's really strange that they still have the college vote over there because it just means that only 500 and I think it's 37 now.
1: Yeah. They're the people who elect the president. Well, that's right. Uh, that's their system, uh, a little like ours. I don't like our uh, preferential system of voting here in Australia. No, it means not. we get people who get some in some cases, next to no primary votes, um you know, getting across the line in some uh, electorates, which I don't think is right. But look, uh, it's the system that's in place. Uh, are you a pro or anti-Trump uh, person, Chris? Well,
30: we were in America just after Trump. Um, was
2: elected. called, yeah. elected yeah.
30: and we visit America quite often and it was the first time that we saw so many jobs wanted you know, people wanted for jobs and so in the beginning
1: yeah. he was very much for the people and that happens, doesn't it? Um, it does. You know, and and, now, with a new and president, yes. Obama was the same. There was a lot of excitement. He was the first African-American uh, to be made president. And uh, I guess it can even, look, using our own example, I mean, even when, I guess, Kevin Rudd to an extent, but certainly Gil- Julia Gillard, there Gillard, was a, yeah. a sense of optimism. It was someone new. It was something different, if you like. and. You know there is optimism that that comes with a newly elected leader of a country. True. Uh, but then, as always, sometimes the honeymoon is over.
30: Exactly, and that's what's happened over I think, in America, I think so. and, and that's what's happened here. Politicians today are not like the old politicians. They're more in it for themselves. Someone said the other day, and I'm not sure where I heard it. Yeah. But it's not about our values anymore. Hmm. It's about
1: the value.
30: Everything's about money today. Oh,
1: that's a really good quote. It's not about values anymore. It's about the value of it. Yeah, well said. That's right. All right. right. Great to talk to you, Chris. Thank you.
30: Okay, thank you. Bye. Really
1: good call. Appreciate it. 131269 is the number. Quick break and we're back to talk to you next. Marcus Paul in the morning in for the John Laws Morning Show, by the way, on email. Harry says, regarding contracts, talking about the cost of contracts, listeners should look, look up... Gladys Berejiklian's track record, she was treasurer under Mike Baird until now, nearly if not all of the contracts that she oversaw have all blown out in costs, many to the tune of millions and some to the tune of one or two billion. If she was working in private enterprise, she would have had her employment terminated years ago. Come up the dial and give us a trial. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, just a couple of notes that have come through on the text. 0458049209. And thank you for these. Your caller, who claims Trump got the most popular votes but not Electoral College votes, was wrong. Biden received something like 7 million more votes than Trump. Cheers, Mac. Uh, This one as well. Uh, That caller was totally wrong. Joe Biden won the popular vote by around 8 million votes. John, the Gold Coast. Yeah, remember there were uh, some in, well, uncertainties, of course, on the popular... Yeah, but we'll just leave that aside. I think you've made the point there. I appreciate it. Jack, hello. Yeah, good day Marcus, how are you? Hey, Jack. Well, thank you, mate. That's
14: all right. Uh, Just to clarify, this uh, Electoral College. I think uh It's a really great system. I don't see if people understand it. If if you went off the popular vote, yep. that would mean that New York, um, California and Florida would work out who's in charge for, forever.
1: Well, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah because they had the biggest And, and they've been Democrats,
14: except for Florida, which can go both ways. Recently, the other two have been Democrats for decades. So basically... You've got California and New York and Florida. The other, the other states would move even have to vote because, <laughs> you know, there, there's so many people who li- live in those uh, three states that they overwhelm the other states. So well, that's, that's right. the reason they have it. Incredible uh, the amount of people... Way, incredible the um, number of people who what vote. They have is 50 separate elections. Every state sends um, representatives. So, so yeah. whoever gets the most states wins the vote, actually. Yeah, look, it's That's incredible it
1: the amount of uh, amount of people who do who did vote in this uh, recent election. <laughs> uh, I mean, the numbers are staggering when you consider you know, just, how many people th- we th- have they just fight. don't add up. They don't add up. If um,
14: what what happened is you've got um, Barack Obama, you're supposed to believe that when he first got elected. Um, he got, I don't know what it was, 65 million votes or something. The next time he got in, he got 62. So he went down 3 million votes, but he still won a second election.
1: I don't know, this,
14: mate. Uh, this time around, Trump got 10 million more votes. Yeah. And apparently he lost to Biden, who got... 20 million more votes than Obama got the first time he was elected. It's something it just doesn't add up. Well, anyway. you're
1: probably right. And then there are others who say, yeah, but, you know, you got to remember more people voted in this election than did previously. So that could be why there's a discrepancy there. But I appreciate the call. Thank you, mate. Luke, good morning. How are you?
9: Hey,
3: how are you going, Marcus?
1: All right. Thank you, mate.
3: I'm really excited um, to, to hear you on there questioning Scott Morrison and, um, his, his um, spin doctorism, that I call it, $75 million, and he gets a big big boost that he's looking after us all for COVID. Um,
1: well, I'm some very, people... i very, worried now, about
3: what some of the people are saying about um, Donald Trump... Hang and, on, uh, slow
1: down, slow down, Luke. Oh, yeah, mate. Let's go. Um, hang on. <laughs> Bloody hell. He's like a lawnmower, just takes off. Hang on, Luke. Let's address the Morrison issue first. I suspect... That this will be the precursor to the prime minister calling an early election. That's what I think. I think the 75 million bucks will be spent telling us how wonderful the government has um, dealt with COVID 19. Then later on, he'll just pull a swifty and we'll be heading to the polls. That's what I believe. I could be wrong. Anthony Albanese joined me on my program this morning and said he believes that is the case.
3: I'd say pretty on the ball there. Um, right. What what's really important, I think, is. Um, a lot of the MPs, Labour and Liberals, seem to be gambling with money, with real estate. Such as the um, Angus Taylor made a lot of money by gambling over water rights. Um, Eighty million dollars was the final price there. Um, he's very connected with a business consultancy. Well, he shouldn't McKinsey. be connected.
1: But he shouldn't be connected with any bloody businesses. That's the problem with our system, Luke. Thanks for the call. But he should not be connected to any businesses. I mean, he's an elected politician. He should be focusing on his electorate. I mean, I've never seen the bloke, and I'm originally from his electorate. He should be focused on his electorate, getting things done for the people out in his area, rather than, you know, allegedly being a part of some water corporation that's making millions out of, well, probably more than that now, out of water. It's crazy. Really is. Adam, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. Happy New Year. Thank Great you. Great way mate.
8: to start it off with you.
1: Thank you. Well, I'll tell you
8: something else. On the 3rd of January was my 20th birthday, and I was watching the TV, watching the presser for the NSW um, COVID. Yes. And guess who I saw on there? Who? John Barilaro. I English saw John standard.
1: Barilaro the other day, actually. Um, I was over in the MLC Centre. I gave him a nod. How are you going, bros? No, I didn't say bros. I said, how are you going, John? said hello and he nodded back. He was, yeah,
8: anyway. But it was a strange birthday present. And I thought, hmm, I guess I could get used to this. So we had him for a week and Gladys was back and everything's normal. But, yeah, it was nice to see John step up. I could tell he was anxious. He was like, oh, my God, I really get to do this now. And he did it for a week.
1: <laughs> All right, mate. Thank you. Uh, yes, I did. I bumped into the Deputy Premier uh, last week. And after some comments that I made and Jordan made about him uh, last year, I thought he might have thumped me one. Look, New South Wales has recorded three new locally acquired cases of COVID-19 in the 24 hours to 8 o'clock last night. Of the three locally acquired cases, um, all linked, excuse me, to the Barala Cluster and are close contacts of a previously reported case. There are now 26 cases associated with this cluster in southwest Sydney at Barala. So three new locally acquired cases of COVID-19 um, to, late, to eight o'clock last night, linked to the Barala cluster, Barala if you like, and their close contacts. So they've got that under control in a way. Let's hope it doesn't continue. Now, a case was notified overnight in a person who presented to Mount Druitt Emergency Department late on Saturday nights on the 9th of January with COVID-19 symptoms. This individual was tested for COVID-19 and moved to an area of the emergency department reserved for suspected COVID-19 cases. A positive COVID-19 result was received last night and the patient was transferred to Westmead for treatment. And as a result, um, we un- well, we mentioned that this morning that... Uh, The emergency department at Mount Druitt Hospital is closed today for deep cleaning. So investigations, contact tracing continues. Anyone determined to be at risk of possible exposure is being contacted and advised to get tested and to isolate. There have been eight overseas acquired cases. Well, As we've been discussing this morning, there should be no bloody overseas acquired cases because people should not be coming here. Bob, are you there?
3: Yeah, mate.
1: Yes, Bob, what's on your mind, mate? I
3: oh, was just wondering if you've noticed under political political correctness mm-hmm. uh that all the little preppy hall monitors and um little snitches that Dob to teacher get ascendancy. Uh under this, like uh do whatever the
1: teacher tells them to. I've got no idea what you're talking about. Talking about you, mate. You're talking about me? Yeah. Right, so can you explain it a little better so well, we can understand what you, you mean by it?
3: Listen- when you call your listeners an asshole?
1: Yeah. No, see, this is you got to use the context. This morning, uh, a bloke was on, rabbiting on about some ridiculous COVID-19 conspiracy theory, and he mentioned aerosol, so I just turned it around and called him an asshole because I thought he was being a nutjob conspiracy uh, crackpot, just like I think you are, mate, so don't bother calling back. Simple as that. All right, Rob, deal, done. Beautiful.
0: Australia's only contemporary news talk radio program. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: Okay, you there, David? Yeah, good morning. How are you going? All right, thanks, Dave. What's on your mind, mate?
31: Mate, um just want to talk a little bit about COVID-19.
1: Yes. Um, what the story
31: is, is um, my partner's son and his daughter um, come up from Melbourne um, just just after Christmas and that, and uh, they turn around and um, they come up to northern New South Wales. Yes. Um, they couldn't fly to Timworth. Um They found a the day before they had to fly to Brisbane. Mm. So we had to call cool them down and pick them up and brought them back. Anyway, um the other week there, they were closing the Victorian border, so they told all people from Victorian, the uh, New South Wales that they've got to get back over the Queensland border or Victorian border before they close. Yeah. So what they've done is they went over the Queensland border because we live only about an hour and a half from the border in Ningurel, and um, So anyway, they went over the Queensland border um, before the midnight and everything like that. Um, they went to the Gold Coast. They flew out last Thursday Friday, I think it was, Right to Melbourne, and when they they were checking the hot like, hotline all the time, to make sure everything's right. They've been talking to the um, appropriate health line. They got to Melbourne, and they're only a young couple.
2: Right, and
31: they they were forced into quarantine. Um oh dear. For, for for two weeks. Sure, um, and the the problem is is they followed all the all the um, steps, correct steps, and everything like that. And then the goalposts were moved. Yeah, well, well they went to the, yep, the goalpost moved. Hmm. They're in lockdown at the moment, the poor little buggers. They've, um, um, the apprentices are down in Melbourne, um, and they they can't work for two weeks, so they're in quarantine. Um, and it's just um, disgusting because they've moved the goalpost. Yep. And when they went in there, there's people off their flight were at Borom Bay, in Sydney hotspot, what I do believe, Yeah. Um, and they actually let them go. But um, these young young couple of... Uh, um, facing consequences that, that, that they shouldn't be.
1: No, and I agree. Uh, see, that's the problem with this, and I'm, I'm sick to death of uh, the, the different closures that are being made by different state premiers. I mean, an earlier emailer was right. Federalism, in this instance, has well and truly failed. Uh, we've got different premiers making their own arrangements, which, uh, in my mind, aren't taking into account people's movements. Uh, and the understanding of what people may or may not have had in play. Look, some people will disagree. Some will say, oh, Marcus, they needed to shut everything down because of COVID over Christmas and we needed to in short. But you could see it coming a mile away. You could see it coming a mile away. Soon as the northern beaches in Sydney were closed down, it gave a green light to other jurisdictions, the ACT, Western Australia, Queensland, Victoria, to shut down. New South Wales out, even when there was just a couple of cases. And okay, it's, at first it started with, the, you know, if you're from the Northern Beaches, you can't come here. And then it went to, well, if you're from Greater Sydney, you can't come here. And then of course, it just goes on and on. When's it all going to end? John, good morning. How are you? Uh, good, thanks. Excellent. Um,
7: I'm from the Tablelands, and you were talking about Adam Marshall. Yeah. Um, I, I'm probably a pretty well-conservative voter, but I wouldn't vote for him. Years ago, they tried to uh, be in Greyhound Racing in New South Wales. True. And I was most upset that he didn't cross the floor. And uh, uh-huh. I'd say my thoughts were right, because they end up backflipping. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think they think for themselves. And um,
1: That was a brain fart and a half, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, why on earth, Mike Baird? I mean, that was, sorry, but between council amalgamations and the greyhound industry closure, that was the death of his political career.
7: Yes, yeah. And but but say even with the the Menindee thing and the grapes, like there's Mm. there's no, like you've got these massive bureaucracies in the states and federal, and they don't seem to work. And I was going to lead to Donald Trump, I... I'm a bit of a Trump supporter, and I think he's probably a bit different. Mm. But I I think what he did was upset the 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 apple cart with all these bureaucracies, and I think they're very fearful. And I think their response um, says he does did a good job in some areas. And I hopefully I don't think he'll come back, but hopefully Nikki Haley or someone from the right
2: Mm. uh,
7: will will follow his lead because um, yeah. So I I. I think he's finished, but, yeah, I, I think he did a decent job. Well, I think the
1: Nationals it. really need to get their act together and that should start with getting rid of John Barillaro, you know, a fish rots at the head. Thank you, mate. Appreciate
0: it. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au.
1: Ah, here we go. I might finish on an email like this today, hey? Dude! Dude, you know you're in trouble when someone sends an email and calls you dude. Apparently it's Fred from Mayfield. G'day, Fred. How are you up there in Mayfield? You good? Alright? Okay. Dude, you are just a piss-weak announcer. Firstly, you believe yourself to be popular if you look online where you don't control the narrative. You seem to be immensely unpopular. Okay, Fred. You're immensely disproportionate ego to to your actual ability, aside, you prove also to be piss-weak. You seek to appear to be a shock jock, whatever that is. I don't know. What's a shock jock, Fred? Uh, but you cower when there is a conflict on air. You cut that guy off when it was obvious he was going to give you a hiding. No, he wasn't. I just explained to him why I called a guy a, a name earlier this morning. I was having a bit of fun, just like I would love to have a bit of fun with you, Fred. For me, a coward, you're the one that's writing emails on fake email addresses. You can't, If you can't debate the caller, you just give up. Piss week, Fred from Mayfield. Well, Fred, how about tomorrow when I come back uh, from nine o'clock, considering you'll, I think you'll be taking the program on 2HD. If you're listening in tomorrow, Fred, here's my challenge to you, Fred from Mayfield, because I can't reply to your email because it's a fake account. How about you give me a call? You and I'll have a debate. Now, you're obviously another crackpot conspiracy theorist who's got all excited and frothy at the mouth over the last couple of weeks. That's great. But I don't run my show the way you want me to, Fred. I run it the way I want to. And you know what, Fred? Who's the bigger idiot? You or me? Well, I'd say you because you're listening. What are you listening for? You're not happy, Fred. Bye. Just go. You don't have to. No one's forcing you to, mate. Alrighty, that's it for us today. Thank you for all your phone calls, emails and SMSs. Have a wonderful day. Look after yourself. We'll catch you tomorrow. Bye.